What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Talk Star Wars, episode 132. I'm Rob. I'm Brad. Hello, mate. You all right? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Excellent. I'm good as Excellent. always. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, so, yeah, what's new? Much going on? Uh, well, well, yeah, when did I last see? No, I've, I've just been working all okay. this week. I haven't, I haven't had a lot of Star Wars related activity anyway, or activity in general, if I'm honest. No, same, actually. Uh, yeah, it's been one of yeah. those weeks, hasn't it? Just kind of stuff's been yeah. going on, but nothing. It's not that it's not remarkable, it's, yeah. it's just business as usual, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You get weeks like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, work and stuff gets in the way. Yeah, uh, we're hanging out next week because we're filming Fire When Ready on Tuesday. Yes, we are. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to it immensely. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on episode seven. I, th- I guess it would be right. Because six yes, is just I gone. So. I didn't yeah. know if you got yes. one in the tank. Um, no, well, no, no. We, okay. we don't have a buffer. I don't know. <laughs> we can't hand to mouth in it. We well, haven't you know, got a glow. Well, I, I don't tend to presume that situations are the same. I mean, I have a small yeah. video buffer at the moment, but that's out of laziness or anything else. <laughs> True story. Um, so yeah. before we begin no, the show... I, I, I can't have a buffer because otherwise my iPad memory gets full up. That's true. So I have that's to true. Like, film, the, film the episode, edit it as soon as possible before <laughs> it uploads to the iCloud and slows things down even yes. more. Yes, yes. Uh, and then rapidly get onto YouTube as quickly as possible and just purge all the files. That's and just kind of go, we need to re-download it. We're, we're kind of boned. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. So uh, before we get into the show proper, I've got a couple of um, apologies and corrections. So um, last week, you may have noticed that there was new uh, intro and outro music for Talk Star Wars. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get it usable in time. And in my haste to get it usable and my excitement in doing so, I decided to publish it. And unfortunately, as a result, I neglected to thank the maker. So, you know, that's poor form on my part, and I'm going to correct the record now. So apologies to Adam Sheldon, uh, TSW mm-hmm. VIP, Knight of the Commonwealth, and the host of the newly minted Retro Inc. podcast, newest member of the Commonwealth. Uh, that mm-hmm. wonderful intro music that you hear in the intro and outro of Talk Star Wars is his creation. He was kind enough awesome. to allow us to use it for the show and uh, look forward to hearing it on every episode from now on. 
Um, there yeah, is yeah. a there's a mention of it in the show notes as well. But like I said, I wanted to make it yep. you know make it clear that uh, I appreciate Adam's generosity in letting us use it. Um, and also a small correction from last week. Um, I've been reliably assured that we haven't caused any international incidents, but in our discussion last week about um, English actors in Star Wars, yes, two things uh, happened. So we mistakenly called Domino Gleeson British when he's actually from the Republic of Ireland. Of course, yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it happens, apologies. Yeah. Um, and also... The uh, intent there was sarcasm. There was sarcasm intended in the message, uh, <laughs> and we completely skipped over it. Um, if anything, the uh, Matt reached out and said, in, "If anything, he feels that um, Star Wars could probably do with more Australians, because uh, it's only really, you know, a couple of actors yeah. here and there that have really represented for the Aussies in uh, in this Star is Wars." True. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Mendo is a huge, huge get. I would say so. Oh yeah. You know, so there's there's that. I think that's a good thing. And I think yes. that's, uh, you know, I think he's a significant force, if you pardon the expression. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's so, as I say, we, 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 sarcasm is hard to convey in written form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you miss it. So <laughs> there you go. But anyway, in any case, yes, Domino Gleeson is a, uh, a proud citizen of the Republic of Ireland. So, you know, consider the record corrected. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on to this week's show. So this is actually going to be... I'm just pleased he listens, to be honest. Well, it's good, isn't it? You know, I think yeah, it's, it's nice, nice of him. To reach I think, out. And he was really not... He was lovely about it as well, you know. Okay, not some, Unsurprisingly, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be a slightly different show to previous last couple of episodes, mainly because we have had so many fantastic questions that this is basically just a whole episode of questions. There are but no... There is no we, news. I would say not only do that's partly not only because we have such a fantastic audience and yes. fan base, yeah. but we do also have fantastic hosts as well. I think that helps a lot. I think that's a that's huge it. factor. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've done them once or twice on Talk Star Wars over the years, uh, listen to questions only, and some. But sometimes we would go, oh, we well, were still going to cover the news, and the show would be three and a half hours, and we'd all be a little bit dead inside by the end. <laughs> so, I'm I'm pleased yeah. that the you know. Uh, we've got plenty of questions, but as I say, it's been a bit of a slow news week. A lot of the stuff doing the rounds is kind of, oh, I don't know. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I know ooh, what you is mean. it? Ooh, ooh. Yeah, so, ooh. you know, Eddie Izzard impressions are lovely and all, but they don't make for fantastic <laughs> news. So what we're going to okay. do is we're going we're gonna to stick to listener comms only for this episode. So I still feel like it's going to be a, a packed show. I think it's going to be a good one. So stick with us. So with that in mind, our first uh, mail comes from Vesuvi. Because no. as is so, I know, right? As is so often the case, Vesuvia sent in some wonderful comments. So uh, Vesuvi writes, yeah. "Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brad." You're Epis- welcome, Vesuvi. Episode one thirty one of TSW was probably the most laugh filled yet. Wow, I agree. Great praise indeed. It was excellent, though. It is uh, man, a lot of fun we, to record we, we nearly killed each other a couple <laughs> of times. It's been known over the years. I mean, yeah. we've known each other what thirteen years. Well, we have a working relationship built on. Trying to break each other. Trying to destroy each other, (laughs) in a comedic sense. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's a comedy terminology. To break is to make someone laugh so much they completely lose control. So, uh, Rob and I do try and break each other as much as possible. Yeah, but also on the level of, you know, destroy. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) episode 131 was probably the most loved food yet, and I have very little to add except immense gratitude. I will, however, comment on my rumoured involvement with the production of Solo, or perhaps my familial relation to director Ron Howard. Let's just say my natural hair colour does fall within the ginger range. 
The drapes are strawberry blonde, while Edit Point is a lusty tangerine. <laughs> Family show for Suvi. Uh, it's in the show notes if people are desperate to, to read it, but uh, you can probably get the gist. Uh, so make of these details what you will. Knowing my mother, she would have had a hard she time turning hard down time. a single night of passion with a very passion. handsome Rance Howard when he was in his prime. Oh my. Uh, again, thank you both for being an early high point of my week. Faithfully, Vesuvi. P.S. I think that the approximately $10 million per episode budget of Mr. Favreau's Untitled Mandalorian series... So it's in caps, so I just... Yeah, that's fine. Bodes well for it, as that is nearly what Game of Thrones gleans, and that is infinitely watchable. P.P.S. I'm also that's glad... That's a terrifying concept, isn't it? What's that? Something being infinitely watchable. <laughs> I think part of the appeal of something is when it ends, to be honest, because if a Game of Thrones yeah. episode that never ended would be... I'd get bored of all the special effects and stuff after a while, I feel. Do you know, do you know what they call a story that just goes on and on and on and never ends anywhere? It's Wheel of Time, right? The Archers. Oh, <laughs> that again. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> I mean, the Wheel of Time did end, didn't it? That's right. Yes. Uh, yes, in the worst way. Eventually. As well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Bless you. Uh, PPS. I'm also glad you're enjoying Battlestar Galactica, Rob. I remember thinking at the time of its original airing that it was the most adult sci-fi to date. Looking back, while I think the pilot miniseries was paced differently from the body of the series, I seem to recall loving every episode more and more with only a single exception. Uh, so update on that, I've watched the second, I think last time I spoke to you, I was just finishing the second episode of the yes. miniseries. The ending of the miniseries, uh, I'm on board for everything. I will see it. I will watch it all. It's fantastic. Okay. It's awesome. really, really great. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm going to be sticking with that. And, you know, look forward to a podcast called Banter Star Vernacular uh, <laughs> in the never. Uh, yeah. It's not, you know, there's still... Three, it shows, come enough. Three it, shows is enough. It, it, it's, it's totally enough. Um, PPPS. I should also note that I especially enjoyed your discussion of how the supersaturation of media and how it is consumed currently will probably constrain the lasting effect of any new Star Wars content. It will be interesting to gauge over the coming years. Hearing each new crop of kids when they reach the age when they publicly express their feelings tends to be revelatory with each successive generation. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of good feedback about that discussion, actually. The, okay. uh, the one we had about pop culture and how it's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. And I, I still stand by everything we said, whatever it was. Cool. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. It's something about faking our own deaths, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need to find a way to get out of the T-shirt. <laughs> but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tricky. But if I can figure yeah. it out, I will. Um, so thank you, Vesuvi, for those kind words and um, yes. the mental imagery that uh, accompanies some of those kind words. Um, as I say, it's a family-friendly show, so I can't read the, the unredacted version, but if you're really desperate to see it and you know your kids are away from the screen, check the show notes out on Talk yeah. Star Wars and you'll be able to read the full comments there with a family-friendly edit handily uh, shoehorned in to be able to see exactly where I stopped. Uh, Brad, do you want to read the next one, mate? Yeah, sure. Do, 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 do. From Diecast Desperado. Still like Greetings, gents. Yeah, I was listening to episode 131 and your discussion of Thrawn appearing in episode 9 and wondered how this could happen. I think I came up with a possibility. In Rebels, Thrawn was sent out of the galaxy into unknown space. He could be Snoke's commander and the real power behind the First Order. Snoke's death could be the reason he now shows up to take charge and put the First Order back on track. 
If you remember, Thrawn in the old legend stories had creatures that nullified a force in the area around them. Perhaps he now has those creatures and could surprise Kylo, who never knew such things exist, putting him in his place. This would make Thrawn the big baddie that people have been speculating on since The Force Awakens. I'd like to hear your opinions on this. Thanks, and may the Force be with you, Daredevil. No, DD, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I appended that in just for the sake of rounding out the... It's easier to read the show notes if you know exactly where the question ends. Um, What did you make of this one? Um, Perfectly serviceable fan fiction. Absolutely. Don't believe they're going to put Thrawn in. I agree. It doesn't make commercial or artistic sense to put mm. Thrawn in. Um, I feel I've had this home past couple of episodes. Part nine of a nine-part series that has taken 40 years to complete is not a place to drop Thrawn in. No, I agree. I I do agree. I think what what Didi's done is really good in terms of kind of thinking it through. And actually, I really like the idea of there being... Thrawn having a kind of a tactical impact on the way the First Order kind of strike. Yeah. That's you pretty know, cool. If, if we knew for a fact that 9 wasn't the last move and we may be getting episodes 10 to 12 or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, um, then the possibility of setting up Thrawn as a decent villain with a decent payoff, that would be a really good way of doing it. But as it stands at the moment, we don't know we're getting episode 9. We don't know we're getting anything after episode 9. Yeah. And I just don't feel... Um, that there would be any way to introduce Thrawn to an audience, the majority of whom will not have encountered him before. A vast majority, I'd say. And, yeah, and successfully wrap up the entire Star Wars saga in one film. It's mm-hmm. going to be a loaded film as it is. I reckon we're going to be clipping a three-hour runtime with this one because Maybe. there's so much to uh, reconcile and complete. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think there's room for shoehorning Thrawn in as well. I agree. I, re, I you know, like I say as much as I enjoy what uh, Daiko Sesperado's done, I do feel like yes. it's. I don't think it's going to happen. I really like the way he's kind of come to it, and I, I really like, really, really, really like the idea that surprising Kylo as the kind of you know first or the supreme leader apparent, surprising him mm. with creatures that will nullify the one thing he's got over everybody else would be a great you know a great way to kind of explore how he re- how he responds to that and how he has to kind of it's it's a shame because in a way it's a great story that I wish I had more films to tell because that's exactly how I feel yeah yeah it would be a really great story to put in you know if they had a like you say if they had an episode if you knew there's going to be an episode 10 for example yeah and you could go okay we'll bring this character in Fans will, you know, like the sort of the really kind of connected material to heavy fans will know exactly who he is. By the end of the film, you'll know who he is. And mm. in episode 10, it's all about Kylo kind of getting his, you know, trying to yeah. fight power, trying to fight a battle on both fronts, basically, which I already think yeah. he's going to do with Hux. I think that's the other yeah. thing as well is this bringing Thrawn in at this stage mm. basically means you could write Hux out. Because to me, yeah. this is where he's going to be. This is where he has the potential to be the most interesting. Yeah, is what he does uh, next. And it's, uh, the argument I've seen, and not from uh, Mr. Desperado or <laughs> Diecast, if he likes to be called, um, not an argument from him, but I have seen put around is, oh, well, they put Maul into Solo, so they could put Thrawn in for episode nine. There is a wealth of difference between the two. Yeah, totally. Um, 
One is bringing in a character that 99% of the people going to see the film will not be familiar with and expecting the entire First Order to resolve around him while also giving a satisfactory ending to all the rest of the main characters of the sequel trilogy is worlds away from a cameo from a character that has been a central character in one of the saga movies. Mm. Yeah, there's, totally there's a wealth of difference. You're right. Different things. Um, so I just I yeah, I, and I love Thrawn. I really do as a yeah, character. Likewise. Thrawn's great, but there I don't believe there's space for him in Episode Nine. No, I'd be inclined um, to agree. I'm wary of becoming a stuck record with this, but <laughs> uh, as, as I said a couple of weeks ago, what Nine needs is resolution and completion. It mm-hmm. doesn't need, oh, hey, here's that blue guy from those books from 30 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago. All those two series of cartoons that, uh, yeah. you know, like you say, yeah. a vast, the vast majority of the movie-going audience won't have seen. No, no, absolutely. We uh, it's we get cognitive dissonance being as involved in the fandom as we do. It is very mm-hmm. easy to slip and think, oh, everyone knows what that thing is yeah. or who that character is. And Star Wars is such a massive pop culture phenomenon. Sure. Most of them don't. No, it's true, you know. You know. Um, and it, it's, uh, it happens in every industry and in every fandom. You kind of forget that these things aren't important to most people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to get into this discussion quite a lot. And, you know, this is, I'm talking a while ago on Talk Star Wars, we, there was this discussion that kept going with Solo and about whether or not the casual fan had enough kind of knowledge around the film to even be interested in it. And I was always of this kind of mindset of like, no, you can't, it would be incredibly... um not arrogance, the wrong word, but it would be, it would show too much. It's not even a question of too much faith in the audience. It's the, it's the opposite, bro. It's like, it's, it's relying too much on the audience to be invested in the connected materials, which is kind of complacency. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Arrog- arrogance would be a strong way of putting it, but complacency is certainly, I think, fair to say, you know, and Lucasfilm's part that it would be incredibly complacent of them to assume that everybody was excited for Solo if you didn't put a trailer out, which is where I think you know part of the reason I think they went wrong. And we've been on, we've been over this multiple times, and there's a there's a talk there's a question about it like, a bit later on. But you know, there's a there's a level of complacency that they can't afford to exceed if they want to bring in the bulk of the revenue. Something like a, an Avatar doesn't get 2.1 billion dollars from hardcore. Last of the Mohicans fan. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, who want to see it told with a prettier veneer and uh, updated visuals? 
but yeah, yeah, but they they don't they're not going to they want to bring in the the vast majority of the movie going audience, and they obviously successfully did that. It helped to release the film what three or four times in the cinema. That helps a lot. Yeah, but you know, the Lucasfilm can't afford to be that complacent about how connected people are to the universe. They have to appeal to the broadest common denominator. Mm-hmm. And for this, that means the Return of the Jedi style beats in terms of yes. how the story, you know, yeah. like you say, it's got to be a wrap-up story. We can't, what's more, you can't assume, like as you rightly pointed out earlier, you can't assume that there are more films coming. You have to, even if there's something coming, you have to act as if there's nothing because otherwise it doesn't resolve satisfactorily as the end of the star, uh, the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And this is a 41-year It'll be 41, 42 years by the time it comes out, the episode nine. It'll be a 42-year story. There's already enough expectation on this without then throwing in things like we're going to take a a left-field punt on a a character that, like you say, the vast majority of the audience won't be familiar with, but the cool people have got the Black Series of. Uh, (laughs) Don't know who that might be, just off the top of my head. Um, the word cool has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. <laughs> it is sealed, but only because I just don't have anywhere to, to display it. So that's fair enough. It's not because I'm expecting it to increase in value because we've done that already. <laughs> so, uh, increase, I agree. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so, Diecast Escrow, thank you for sending that through. I really like the yeah, way you're thinking. That's, that's great. Yeah, I really do like your thinking, but I think there's other factors involved in the production yes. of this film which would prevent that from working. Um, but I, I love your idea on yeah, its own. Absolutely, yes, it is. Yeah. So speaking of uh, interesting ideas, uh, this one's from okay. Jawa Number One. Um, hello there. I didn't know enough of them. That's really I didn't realise that. Yeah, but this is good because yeah. it makes it a lot easier to keep track of who writes in. Um, in episode one thirty one, you mentioned characters who are underrated and overrated. I think Pumpkins. I think Porkins fits in there quite nicely. Yeah. Um, they should do a, so they should do a story where Rose finds herself in the world between worlds and tries to save Biggs at the Battle of Yavin, but somehow messes up and saves Porkins. The pair could then have an adventure together where the bumbling Porkins saves the day and becomes a big hero. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the imagination involved. Mm. Sincerely. I think that's... I wonder Impressive. if the Hawkins thing is the challenge I issued last week, which was to take a completely insignificant character and argue that they're overrated. Maybe. Although this seems yeah. almost feels like it's the underrate is coming in it from the opposite direction. Yeah. It almost feels like they're trying to put Hawkins in a position of more significance than he currently yeah. occupies. Because it's hard to he's make him a... it's really hard to make him overrated. I would totally, you know he's, he's, he's just a bit of a barrier, really, isn't he? He doesn't he's yeah. just a jobber. Yeah, he is just kind of he he's there to yeah to serve the story forwards in terms of making the deaths of many meaningful. And he's yeah. one of those many. And he just happens to be mm-hmm. one that's been given a name because there are quite a few who aren't. <laughs> yes. um, but gold too. For me, where this would fall apart is I don't just want, this might work in a kind of tag and bink yeah, comic I was series, like a short four issue mini series that's yes. like a standalone thing, just a bit of fun. That yeah. might work. Uh, yeah, to our fans, Tag and Bink is a, is a comedy series which uh, yeah. was published by Dark Horse Comics. I think they did two series, one set in me. They did, yes. One's in OT and one's in Prequel Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically a Star Wars version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and the Dead. Yeah, and they just they turn up in 
um, they're rebel spies, aren't they? Who turn who get yeah. sort of stuck on the Death Star and into various hilarious yeah. scrapes. Yeah. Um, at the risk of mansplaining to our audience, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are supporting characters in Hamlet, um, which for our non-British listeners uh, was by Shakespeare. And they are friends of Hamlet who get invited over to his palace to cheer him up. Um, they are very, very minor characters. Tom Stoppard wrote a play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, which is uh, a comedy of Hamlet retold from a perspective of two incredibly insignificant uh, characters. Yeah. And it being Tom Stoppard, it's generally very funny as well. Um, there was a film version with Tim Roth and Gary Oldman playing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That's a good cast. Um, yeah, but um, actually, to the point, they swap names several points for the film. That's how insignificant the characters are. Yeah. They're not sure which one of them is Rosencrantz and which one's Guildenstern. Wow. Okay. That's pretty Yeah, It's, it's such a fun film. And uh, yeah, and Tag and Bink was basically a Star Wars twist on that. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see that work. I could see it working in that sort of context. My contention with it being part of any kind of mainline canon is I don't just want the world between worlds to become the mm-hmm. holodeck on the next generation. Where it's just, we want to tell a story here. I mean, I've, not seen, I've not seen the episode of Rebels yet. Are we under the impression it's kind of like flow walking? Kind of. That's the impression it's, I get. You, you get a second perspective. You can't rewrite history with it, is the impression I was under. I'm not sure. I don't know. The World Between Worlds stuff is kind of a bit fuzzy if, you've, if you're just reading about it. But that's, okay. that's well, my, that's impre- my impression is that you might be able to actually um, influence things. That's dodgy. Odd. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a massive tra- fan of time travel per, per se. Anyway, uh, I find uh, it I'll, quite. A... I, I'm only a fan of time travel when it is the central theme of the story. Something like Back to the Future works, or well, the yeah. Time Machine works, because it is time travel centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, when time travels dropped in, almost as is lucky, like um, much as I like the book, otherwise I think Prisoner of Azkaban does a terrible job of the time travel aspect. Oh yes, yes. That's just well, that was so obvious to me. Uh, as maybe more as a writer, it was obvious Rowling had written herself into a corner mm. and just decided to kind of on, on her second draft put time travel in to make it all conveniently work. It wasn't. Right. It's not seeded at any point from the outset. Mm-hmm. It's just dropped it at the end. As oh yeah, we had a magic thing that could fix time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for Star Wars to do that. Um, is it's dangerous. I mean, flow walking annoyed enough people as it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, Um, the the summary is basically that the world between worlds links all points in time together. mm Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's somewhere where you can actually, I don't know if it's somewhere you can actually travel to or travel. uh, Yeah, it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain. I yeah, thought it was something sort of almost reading. like the Marvel version of The Watcher where you could see everything, but you couldn't influence anything, was my impression. Maybe, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm still trying to work my way through. I'm on Wikipedia as we're talking now, just okay. kind of working well, we'll my way through uh, as best we'll be I can. Sorry? We'll be back after these messages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't... Uh, it's got you say yeah you guys got portals that take you to places, mm-hmm. and it looks like you could intervene. So the okay. way it's, without I don't want to spoil it too much, but it mm-hmm. looks like 
Ezra has to make a choice between intervention or non or not when going through one of the portals. So theoretically, you could influence events. Yeah, I kind of hope that's a closed circle, and I don't want that to crop up again. I really, I really dislike it as a mechanic. Um, if it's just a kind of like you say, like the Watcher, where it's just a kind of visual thing, then okay. But I really wouldn't want it to come into, you know, retcon central. As, yeah, a, totally. as a method of just going back on everything they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, and the idea of kind of, let's be fair, second-tier characters like Rose, who I would, you know, she's obviously important in the context of the story, but she's not, you know, she's not Ray, Finn, or Poe. Mm-hmm. And she's also not a Force user. The idea of her yeah. stumbling across it just seems to me to be a very peculiar story to tell. And yeah, like I said, yeah. unless it's a kind of tag and bink style or something kind of like star wars infinities used to be mm. but, le- but less i mean star wars infinities was always kind of more of a heavy what if this particular thing happened it's yeah, a different way that was, wasn't it what if luke missed a shot on the death star that sort of thing yeah what if luke died and i died on hoff and i think just for jedi one was what if the attempt to rescue han failed yeah, that's what so those those sorts yeah. of things. So it's just you know binary choices, binary choices, binary choices in the in the story. What happened if it went the another way? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It's I I just can't see it working. Mm. And you know the idea of putting the Porkins in for a bit of extra fun, fine. You know, um, <laughs> this is is one of those characters. <laughs> what? Putting the Porkins in for a bit of fun broke me. Oh, okay, fair enough. Oh my, <laughs> the Porkins. So it's it's way you didn't notice it. I've... No. Um, <laughs> so the idea of putting him in the story for a bit of extra, like a little extra story, like I say that, but that to me belongs in a comic or in yes, a kind of like an Elseworld style, yeah, comic where it's kind of you know tales from around like um certain point of view but the book was where it's kind of a mix of stories that were sort of soft canon and some of them were Mm -hmm. tenuous and all that stuff something along those lines in a comic style format is where i could see that working otherwise not so much okay what do you think i agree yeah all right cool excellent uh do you want to read the next one from jared yeah sure uh, from Jared. Hi, gents. My first time writing in since we changed the administration. Loving your work so far. Here are some pretty broad questions for the both of you. Do you want me to read them both, or we can do them one at a time? We'll do them both. I think it'll probably end up. Yeah, we'll okay. pro- the conversation will probably end up blending. Yeah, that's like us. Brad, since you're a newish voice on the program, what are your general thoughts on the nature of the Force? Are you down with the M words? Prefer the old style vague mysticism? Rob, how has your overall perspective on the Force changed since the last two movies, if at all? Long live for Rob Public, Jared. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Jared, for writing in. And uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, So Jared is one of our um, longtime patrons, and uh, he has stuck with us. And, you know, and I'm grateful to everybody who's uh, stuck with us, most notably the ones who write in. So (laughs) uh, there we go. So, yeah. So... Thoughts on the Force? Um, which wizards in space, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, in terms yeah. of uh, my kind of take on this was how, when you think of the Force, do you think of it in terms right. of the sort of the more scientific explanation, or do you think of it in terms of the more mystical 
Uh, I, I get the impression uh, not a lot of people do think of it in terms of a midichlorian no, sense. That's a bit too hard sci-fi for people who are more fans of the Wizards in Space mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Uh, I never hated midichlorians. I was never super down on the concept. I like it f- fine within the universe, but I do think it's telling that it doesn't seem to get referenced anywhere else. I mean, there's, there were very few expanded universe sources or uh, new canon books and comics that reference midichlorians, except in very passing terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so they obviously were the most popular aspect of The Phantom Menace. You know, that's a list. It is a list. It certainly um, is. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I am more of an original trilogy fan than anything else, so I do kind of like the the vagueness of what the Force actually is, mm-hmm. I think works. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I stick with the, the original way it's introduced by Obi-Wan, which is it's, it's an energy field that is, uh, surrounds every living thing, and so if you're especially sensitive or especially strong in the Force, then you have an affiliation with it and it will work with you and you will work with it. Yeah. That's correct. That's what's kind of been my take on it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that, I, I swing with that. Um, totally. And I mean, the question that's aimed at me specifically about the perspective on the force, I don't know. I kind of, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the way in last Jedi, they've kind of taken this, the force has a, a sort of, a, a a scale that it's constantly mm-hmm. keeping in balance and so every every kind of strong light side user is a is an attempt to to kind of address the imbalance in the darkness right uh, when they're talking about like the darkness rises and the light to meet it and it's i think it's snow who delivers that line in last jedi um it's been little, yeah, yeah it's been a little while since i watched it but that sounds right mm-hmm. and yeah I've, I've always kind of i quite like that as a as a, as a new, it's almost like a new mechanic, isn't it? In the terms of the way the force works. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy the idea that even somebody like Han Solo is kind of devout now where, you know, where yeah. he can sort of tell people on, tell people how the force works, even though like 30 years before he just didn't believe it was even a thing. <laughs> and suddenly he's yeah. telling people how it works because they're yeah. sort of flippant about it, which is quite funny. Yeah, um, I mean, his brother-in-law and his son are quite powerful. Exactly. Yeah, it's, like, it's, hard to, it's hard to disagree with those numbers. When you I know? say quite powerful, I do mean possibly the most powerful the galaxy's ever seen. Well, quite so, you know. Um, yeah. I'm not just saying he could turn up to family gatherings from across the galaxy, Luke. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, he didn't possess force, um, make yourself look dead multiple times in a day. Uh, which is a power that only one possessed, um, and that was Obi Wan last episode. Uh, <laughs> but oh, man. I don't know. I can't imagine. I, I don't think it's changed that much, to be honest. I was sort of pleasantly surprised that they didn't hang too hard on the on the midichlorians in episode eight mm-hmm. and uh, episode seven. But the thing about the way they're handling it now, and they're kind of sticking with the whole mystical thing. It allows the writing to kind of it's got more room to be lazy, if that makes sense. And this is one of those things that's one of the reasons I don't particularly care for time travel as a mechanic in in fantasy, mm-hmm. because it, it gives you, like you pointed out with the prisoner of Azkaban, it gives you a mechanic with which to just kind of 
go, oh, well, time travel. And it, yeah. it kind of gets you out of a, it's a get out of plot hole free mm-hmm. card. And yeah. the, um, my wor- my wariness is that the force is kind of working that way. So that, and they kind of, you know, I had, I've, I'm well publicized on my issues with the speed at which um, Ray in the force awakens kind of goes from naught to being able to do tricks that, she probably's only ever heard about in passing and so she just thinks not only is she going to do them but she kind of does them with this steely-eyed resolve rather mm-hmm. than accidentally i would have been much happier if she'd been doing some of this more powerful stuff just on pure impulse and for and kind of like i say almost by accident and then it kind mm-hmm. of is slowly dawning on her that she's able to do this stuff and the yeah. way they handled it instead was much more of a i'm good at this now and it would and it also, yeah. I mean, I could tread on it multiple times over, but you know, I was, I'm sort of that that uh, the the darkness rises and light to meet it explanation is almost to me like a. It, it feels like a bit of a cop out's a strong word, but it feels like a bit of a. Oh well, that's because the force is kind of you know she's strong. She's really strong in the force suddenly because the force, mm-hmm. and it's almost like. That's not how the force works. Yeah, it, it's. It, but then at the same time, you know, like you say, it's wizards in space, so it's kind it's of hard wizards to be. in space. But um, magic has to uh, obey its own rules as well. Yeah, and it's it's just. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. If she's just, uh... here's the thing about it. If she's, Every, there was a big thing doing the rounds before episode eight came out that, sh- that the prophecy of the chosen one might have been misread and she and it was right and i was very v- vocally a- opposed to that partly because i thought it was a stupid retcon and i thought that george had made it very clear in kind of interviews and stuff around that the chosen one was anakin the mm-hmm. jedi just got the prophecy wrong and they actually touch on that with dialogue in at revenge of the sith yeah so i was quite happy for there to be a new prophecy that kind of mm-hmm. said, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, an explanation for that, you know, much in the same yeah. way as to touch back on Harry Potter in um, order of the Phoenix, they've got the hall of prophecies and it's all the prophecies yes. that have ever been prophesized. And there's one mm-hmm. specific prophecy in there that's relevant to Harry Potter. All the other ones are not. Yeah. So okay. you could have multiple different prophecies and it could in her, you know, she could be mentioned in one, but it's not the one about the what the chosen one that will rebalance the force. Who's writing all these prophecies? I don't know. I think it's just, isn't it just kind of seers, the the sort of like um, Trelawney and people like that, who are just kind of the div, the, the divination people. I'm talking about Harry Potter specifically, but I, you know, 
that's my understanding of it is that it's just people who have that kind of gift of um um what do they call it in the what film, do they call it in, the film? Just, in star wars no I'm t- i was talking about um trelawney and harry potter but oh okay yeah yeah, I'll, yeah there's I'll, a word for it isn't there anyway clairvoyance yeah, clairvoyance. So they got anybody who's got the gift of clairvoyance could theoretically prophesy, uh, create a prophecy and it would just appear in that room. That's my kind of, that's okay. how I sort of interpreted it. Yeah, but I've always wondered where this prophecy of the chosen one for Star Wars came from. Well, it's all, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Maybe it's a, a Sith misdirect and the idea is that they're going to go searching frantically for that. I I reckon Qui-Gon just reckon, I reckon said, said, I think he's the chosen one and all the other Jedi Masters didn't want to admit that they didn't know what he was talking about and just went along with it. <laughs> I like your version too. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, that's cool. so... My worry, quite gone for bamboozle. <laughs> my worry is that they're gonna, that they were going to use that kind of that vague sort of waffly explanation as a as an excuse to just get away with not having mm. to explain things. Yeah, and I do feel like you do for have Vectron. to. Sorry, for Vectron. For Vectron, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but it's it's one of those things that over the years. And, you know, we talked about it last week, how pop culture's changed. Mm-hmm. It's not enough anymore to, you know, there's 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 video channels, there's bloggers, there's articles designed to pick apart cinema. Yeah. And they go back and they do the old films and they pick apart the plot holes and things like cinema sins and stuff like that. And they're entertainment, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you, you, you know, you want to give them as little ammunition as possible and the low-hanging fruit is never the most rewarding. So... You know, there's while they're for kids, these movies, I do feel like to a certain degree they do have to make a conscious effort to give people the sort of nitpickers, like I say, to varying degrees. There are the there are the entertainment <laughs> ones and there are the dreary ones. Yeah. The, they need to give them as little ammunition as possible, which means they do have to be a bit more consistent about you can't just say, Oh well, this happened because reasons. Yeah. You, do, you do have to be you have to try a little harder, you know? So <laughs> That's my only concern in terms of how the f- nature of the force has been used in the most recent, t- the most recent two saga movies, right. is, is that it's been kind of treated like a like a catch-all kind of like um, timey wimey stuff in Doctor Who. I know what you mean. Yeah, that kind of oh, we can just you know let's say it's and the and the other thing as well is like they did it in Last Jedi. Um, Ray kind of makes a flippant comment about how the no, she doesn't. She's not even being flippant, is she? In episode eight, she's talk, she's talking about how the force is amazing because it lets you lift rocks. And then Luke Skywalker goes into this big thing about how the force is way more than that. And what does episode eight end on? Lifting rocks. Lifting yeah. rocks, and they actually, and she calls it out as kind of you know with a sort of eye rolling snark of like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, you know, it's lifting rocks. And it's like, yeah, okay, but there is a little bit more to it than that, and she's not seeing it just because she's not in the room where Lucas just projected himself across the galaxy. But yeah, they do kind of, there's this weird mixed messaging for me at, at play when it comes to like, is it is it a, is it something of significance or is it just kind of random acts of rebalance in the universe? And it's, it's there's a little bit of, for me of inconsistency there. And mm-hmm. maybe it's just because George in the original trilogy did leave the explanation kind of vague. And maybe it's mm-hmm. trying to fill in those gaps that's actually making it worse because it's sort of the more you 
the more the more space you kind of create for those explanations, the more gaps you leave and the more edge cases you kind of put in at the sides to yeah. actually make it more complicated and more difficult to maintain as a as a sort of as a piece of law. Mm-hmm. Yes. The purest explanation for me is the one you sort of touched on the the Obi Wan. You know, it's it's an energy field that sort of surrounds every living being in the galaxy. Yoda's yeah. explanation in Empire is beautiful as well. And it's just, it, you know, it's something that's always there, but if you're attuned to it, you can harness it. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's, there's nothing I've seen in any source, uh, regardless of canon status, although supposedly your canon is equal now. Um, there's nothing I've seen to contradict those statements. No, exactly. You know, so it's... it's maybe the maybe my my issue with it is purely that it's been over it's been over explained and kind of used mm. to used to pepper to plaster over too many small cracks yeah okay that's probably my only thing about it i mean there are some really nice bits in um the two most recent saga films to do with the force so mm-hmm. you know they they use it to kind of great um visual effect and action effects and stuff mm-hmm. but there are some issues for me with the way the story is kind of told and as I say, it almost becomes a crutch with which to prop up um, over-explanation, you know, writing that's not necessarily in some forms. It's, I'm, I'm really trying hard not to just kind of berate the writers because I'm really, I don't mean to, you mm-hmm. know, but it is, there is a little bit, I think, of, it, it's a, there's a certain safety net to the force that allows them to just kind of go, oh, well, you know, it'd be, it'd be fine. I'll just explain it away using the force. And again, yeah. it's like... A wizard did it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just kind of, oh, it's because wizardy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my big sort of hang up about it. But it's no big thing. It's, it's, not, it's not enough, certainly, to ruin my enjoyments of the new movies completely. Sure. Um, and as a quick aside, is Solo the only one where they've not really touched on the force in any context? Aside from the presence of Maul, yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's he's not really. Does he does he kind of use the force on screen, or is it just the kind of he it's just the he ignites the lightsaber and that's about it, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, which people have pointed out. It's really what's, what's he going to do over a hollow communication? <laughs> yeah, it is just a sort of you know, it's it's like sort of pulling a you know, if you've got a sort of knife in your belt, it's just kind of drawing out drawing out the blade a bit so people like samurais used to do in like in yeah, Japanese movies this over FaceTime, it's a bit weird. I agree. Yeah, um, I just kind of wish there was like a scene afterwards where he just goes, "Oh, sorry, not realised he turned it on." <laughs> oh, oh no, hang on, hang on. Oh, which button is it? <laughs> Apparently, my new thing is just to completely undermine the Star Wars saga with clumsiness and bluffing. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, uh, some people have made a lot of money doing that. I think. Oh yeah, you know, um, <laughs> the car, the um, the writers of Family Guy. Uh, robot chicken <laughs> they've done very well yeah. out of that sort of thing um so there you go all right well um jared hopefully that answers your questions uh, mm-hmm. about the force so our next question comes from dave uh yeah. dave writes good day fellas i'm listening to and, en- and enjoying your conversation in episode 131 about underrated and overrated star wars characters it prompted my thoughts of how my purchasing of star wars figurines is influenced by my impression of that character in the film I'm a 47-year-old fan of all Star Wars films, and I still enjoy collecting figures, particularly the Black Series. Good choice. I think it's a continuation of my childhood passion of collecting and playing with that I still enjoy collecting today. As a boy, 
I chose the figurines that I loved, but who would also play a part with my make-believe Star Wars scenarios. Today, I choose the figures of characters who I admire in the films. I found your conversation a few episodes back about figurine collection being a non-wealth-attaining venture, and I totally agree. For me, the enjoyment and nostalgia associated with collecting and displaying figures now plays more of a role than the thought of selling figures for some perceived inflated price. My question to you is, are there any uh, factors that influence the choice of Star Wars figurine or merchandise that you may choose to purchase, if in fact you do? To relate the underrated-overrated character conversation, I refuse to purchase characters that don't make an impression in films. For example, I cannot purchase a Snoke figurine. If his figurine became so readily available after TFA, as it appears to be now after TLJ, I may have been sucked into buying him. But after seeing him so disposed of so easily in The Last Jedi, I consider him a bit of a chump and cannot bring myself to buy him. Same goes for Hux. On the other hand, I didn't even consider buying Cassian Andor or Jyn Erso, but after loving Rogue One, they're on my list of must-gets. I'd love to purchase more solo movie figurines, but these seem very hard to get unless purchased online. What are your thoughts on the availability and promotion of solo figures in stores? To finish, I will purchase anything Darth Vader or Chewie. They're my favorites. Look forward to hearing your comments. May the force be with you, Dave. Well, Dave, thank you very much for sending that one in. Uh, I'm really glad to hear yes. that you agree with us on uh, the discussions about everything. Everything, yeah, particularly yes. the uh, the purchasing of Star Wars action figures and the money yeah. making potential therein. Spoil, um, spoilers, not much. Um, yeah. What about buy so- for fun and buy for love? Don't buy to, but, but yeah, if. But buy property if that's what you want to do. <laughs> Don't buy Star Wars figurines to retire yeah. on. And if you're really, really keen to spend all day looking at graphs, buy crypto. Why not? You know. Yeah. Um, why not? Legal disclaimers. Talk Star Wars is not endorsing the purchasing of crypto. Um, seek proper financial advice, not a couple of chumps on the internet. Um, <laughs> although to be fair, I mean there are quite a few crypto traders who do fit that bill. Um, yeah. Brad, what about you? What what kind of stuff factors into your merchandise i know you're not a big action figure person anymore but in terms of merch collecting what's your kind of criteria um i don't really uh I, books and comics is my main main purchase oh, i just okay. i mean uh, up a story um t-shirts i'll buy if i think they're amusing or or in primark at a reasonable price they got some good um, ones in primark I got an amazing solo shirt for like six quid from Primark. They're yeah, awesome. I was yeah. very, very tempted. I saw a nice on the it's a Disney one, but not a Star Wars one. I saw a really nice Avengers one in the most beautiful yeah. shade of kind of teal green, but uh, mm-hmm. they didn't have my size, and I've not been able to find okay. it. I have a feeling it might have been being cleared because I haven't been able to find it anywhere else. Yeah. So, uh, um, but my other, play, other for buying stuff like Legion or Armada or Imperial Assault, that's more from the gaming sense. Yeah. That's to play as the game with. It's not um, especially emotionally attached to the particular sets because I want to be able to do the things, uh, the, the gaming stuff. Yeah, yeah the mechanics that um, they add. Like I, I don't buy, I don't buy statues or paintings or action mm. figures or anything uh, like that. Really. Yeah. Um, Books and toys for my daughter are really the only other Star Wars merch I tend to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything I've I've gone out of my way to get because of a association with a particular character or a particular film. Mm-hmm. It's more of a gen, general session. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I like. Um, the idea of buying characters that you're, you're like I say, as um, Dave was saying about buying characters, 
uh, he's particularly a fan of. I think that's a great way of doing it. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think he's missing out not going for like the more supporting characters because you know Ben Cordoneros is awesome. If I saw a Ben Cordoneros action figure, I'd probably snap that up. I doubt very much they've got a black series for him. Uh, they tend to be. <laughs> they tend give to be. Hmm? Yeah, give it time. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. Um, but yeah, it's it tends to be. I don't know. There's, there's, a, there must be a criteria to it in terms of how they choose the black series stuff. But if there is one, I don't know it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jane the Solo was a fan vote. I think Afra is getting a black series for the same reason. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Fan, yeah, fan votes tend to influence that quite heavily. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't really know otherwise. You know uh, yeah. what the criteria are. They, I know they're doing some. Re, they announced it at. Uh, Comic Con, they were going to be doing some re some reprints, some reissues of of the oldest some of the older figures that are hard to get hold of, which I'm actually quite excited about because I tried with no success recently to get one of the older series um, Black Series Obi Wan Kenobi, which is the Mustafar Obi Wan. Okay, they did him as a Black Series, and I tried very hard to get him and was not able to, and I was disappointed by this. So mm. uh, the idea of being able to oh, do that, is, yeah, you know, um, the idea of making being able to get one is i'm quite pleased about but at the same mm-hmm. time you know that's the thing is that again it's it comes back to what we were talking about with the scarcity being a bit of a you know it's not a it's not a real thing mm-hmm. um the scarcity element of it so it's not like you're absolutely right it's not a reason to buy figures yeah. because you're worried about some sort of artificial um no, they've obviously seen as such. Absolutely, you know, and this is this is exactly it. So, I think uh, in terms of how I choose, I my my thing has been like I've got the Hall of Gits. I don't know if I mentioned this. Yes, you have. Um, so, for those who aren't familiar, I've got five Black Series figures. I have Vader, Thrawn, Krennic, Jaina Solo, and Revan. And up until Revan and Jaina, which I bought at uh, Echo Live Toy Fair last year when I went up with uh, Jeremy and Mark from the Toy Box mm-hmm. podcast back when that was a a thing. Yeah. Um, I bought those, but up until then, I was basically just ca- um, collecting cool villains. Okay. Uh, so I will be picking up at some point. Um, they've released Tarkin with a, with a, with a pro droid. Like with an interrogation droid, like rather. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, he he sounds pretty cool. He sounds pretty ideally placed in my hall of gits. Uh, mm-hmm. Palpatine is still absent, in, noticeable in his absence. Okay. I could theoretically go for like a Beckett or, you know, they haven't done a Dryden Voss, but theoretically I could go for that. But I mean, Dryden Voss is cool and all, but he's not, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly memorable about him. He's nothing mm-hmm. iconic. He's a, he's a good, he's a serviceable villain, but I don't consider him particularly iconic, you know? He seems to be there to, as almost like a MacGuffin to get Kira into a position she needs to be in at the end of the film. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and there's that kind of, you know, obviously she's having a sort of loyalties tested over the course of the film. Yeah. And that's the whole kind of, like you say, it's, it's sort of he's there to make sure she's in position by the end of the movie to be sort of the big bad, theoretically, in future films, should there be yes. any. Um. But yeah, in terms of other things, I mean, I, in terms of other merchandise, I I buy the odd T-shirt 
they tend to I tend to go for ensemble cast or stuff that looks cool. So I've got a really cool Vader t-shirt. Uh, I've got a cool Death Trooper one. It's just about at that point, it's purely about aesthetics and how I think it will look on. But when it comes okay. to toys and merchandise and action figures and stuff, so I don't have a fantastically huge collection, but there tends to be sort of half a dozen characters I kind of consider essential purchases. And then if I see them, I'll pick them up. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, to his next, to his other point about solo uh, figures and their sort of availability and stuff. I haven't um, seen it anywhere. No. I was, I was toy shop last week and there was... They were like all the forces of destiny and rebel stuff was marked down, trying yep. to clear it off the shelf. Yep. Last Jedi stuff everywhere. I couldn't see a sniff of any solo stuff at all. Yeah, it's that's absolutely true. I mean, it, you know, we've we've touched on the marketing sort of snafus that we think that, that we've kind of considered they've made. I think the toys is a massive one. You know, Force Awakens before the movie was came it, out. Was Solo even meant to be a kids' movie though? Maybe that's why they didn't push it as hard. Maybe, but I feel like even then you still got. I can't imagine the Black Series demographic is kids. Okay, I'll show you. If you talk specifically Black Series, okay, no, yeah. but I mean, I'm talking generally, and you're absolutely. I think overall, you're absolutely I right. Feel like I've seen some Lego Solo stuff. Okay, so I've seen a bit of that, a little bit. Um, I've only yeah, started seeing toys. More, I think that's more Lego being on the wall than Star Wars being on the wall. Yeah, I'd agree. So for me, I've only I only really started seeing the solo figures in stores, and I mean I'm talking one store as well. Like so, Forbidden Planet near my work. I only Which really you'd expect that. Yeah, you'd expect. I would say you'd expect to have it months before the film came out. Say Force Awakens, yeah. they had toys in. You know, the, the, there was a whole thing about how. Ray didn't have a lightsaber because it was a spoiler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the, you know, there was nothing that there was the whole thing about where's Ray. And I think part of that was because they didn't want to ruin the surprise. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And obviously they made a big thing about it in the news because reasons, but I think part of the reason that there was such a scarcity then was because they were keeping certain things back. But in Solo's case, they kept the whole thing back. They kept everything. You know, I, 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 the only thing I saw with Solo branding before the movie actually came out were two. There were two things. There was, and actually, there were three things because, as you rightly pointed out, there was some Lego. Mm-hmm. There was a kids' Sabat game. Yes, that came out a few weeks before the film. 
because mm-hmm. I remember there being a thing on the side about you could win the Millennium Falcon and everybody was like, oh, well, yeah. he's obviously winning it in this film. And obviously, you know, we know that now that that's true, but it was kind of a bit yeah. of a giveaway. And the other thing was um, some repackaged Last Jedi figures in solo branding. So like Luke Skywalker is an old Jedi, Hux, and characters who weren't in the film. In the yeah, okay. it's, it's, it was weird. You know, there was just, like I say, this kind of rebranded rebranded stuff and it was very peculiar and it was only mm. in the couple of weeks let's say about a month or so after the film came out that i started with any regularity seeing like i say like a black series young han and young lando because mm. you know um sort of uh, empire lando was had been a sort of available as a black series figure for quite some time and it yes. was only really in the sort of in the month after solo that you started seeing the Donald Glover one. And that was the first thing I saw was Donald Glover as a, as a black series, uh, young Lando. Mm -hmm. And it was only then I thought, Oh, well they're actually going to start trickling this stuff out. And even then it was probably a couple of weeks, maybe a month before I started seeing the other characters. They just seemed to have young Lando and that was it. It's very, very strange to me. So I'm not surprised that Mm -hmm. Dave's having problems. I mean, obviously I'm not familiar with uh, Dave's writing from Australia. And I don't know what the situation is in regards to distribution and stuff there normally, but for Wouldn't the UK, like this. no, I mean for the UK, it did seem especially bad. The yes. uh, the solo stuff. Yeah, and it's a real shame because it was an awesome film. Absolutely, and this is you know it's one of those things, isn't it? We talked, we've talked, you know, at length over a few episodes about where some of the stuff we feel they kind of missed the boat on, and I think mm-hmm. a big part of it was the merchandise stuff. And you're right that there was a lot of toys and things that maybe wouldn't have appealed so much before the film came out to kids because they don't really know the characters. They don't really care about the, the movies. I think you're right. I don't think it's necessarily made for the same audience. It's a bit more of a, it's a bit more of a rogue one style. It's designed for the sort of super fans more so Mm -hmm. than the saga stuff. The saga stuff is the broad spectrum appeal. And then solo and rogue one are kind of the, they're the anthology movies that are designed to sort of, enhance and enrich some of the stories and characters we've already got yeah. so maybe so maybe you're right maybe they're kind of a sl- they skew slightly older but like i say considering that I, I feel like the black series is the demographic is not kids primarily mm-hmm. i feel like it's collectors and sort of adult toy purchasers uh, sorry i should clarify toy purchasers who are adults not purchasers of adult toys because <laughs> um, that's a very different demographic too Although yeah. uh, I suppose you know maybe it, maybe there's a little bit of overlap. The Venn diagram's probably yeah. two big circles with a tiny bit in the middle. Uh, yeah, put some porkins. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's Solo seemed to me to be an especially bad marketing um, toy releasing situation, yeah. and it's, I think you know I'm uh, not surprised as a result that Dave's having trouble. Mm. So yeah, there you go, Dave. Um, yeah, sorry, Therm Scissor Punch action figures will be yeah. around at some No sign of a Therm Scissor Punch six-inch black series, but we can only hope. Um, but obviously, I'd prefer to get Tarkin first. But that's yeah. mainly because he just goes with the rest of my kits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they announce for next release for Legion or something is Therm Scissor Punch, can you imagine? And friends, that would be amazing. I feel like yeah. that's a barrel they they would have had to have scraped pretty dry until they get to the Thermos of Punch release. Yeah. 
Maybe if they start adding in new new factions into Imperial Assault. Yeah. Know, the Scissor Punch clan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but until then, we can only speculate as we mm-hmm. are one to do. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we, we come back, we've got more excellent listener questions <gasps> from the fine listeners yeah. of Talk Star Wars. Yeah, two of them. Wow. I'm yeah. excited. Two, two questions, I think, which will be um, pretty special. So uh, stick around for that. All right. All right, I will. Not you. I mean, yeah, you as well. <laughs> but I mean, anyway, come back soon. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. So um, you might we have are. just heard, if you're not on a Patreon campaign, you might have just heard about A Quiet Place being available on digital download and DVD. There's a good chance that's the case. Uh, yeah. But if you're not, if you're part of the Patreon, then we won't have heard any ads because that's the perk of the Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. As well as um, being able to get the episode a couple of days early. So you get it on Saturday rather than Monday. So that's quite nice. So yes. if that sounds of interest to you, then uh, feel free to check out patreon.com slash talk Star Wars and give as little as a dollar a month to help support the show. And in return, as I say, you get that wonderful ad free feed. So um, our next question comes from Nick. Did you want to read this one? Uh, sure thing. Just make sure my door is working. There we sure. go. Uh, hey guys, loving the podcast. Been listening to the new episodes while trying to catch up on some of the old episodes. Now you guys are on Spotify. Keep yes, up the are. good work. Yes, we, we are. are. You know, I don't know if we get royalties or not, but uh, I'm know, not aware does. of it. Well, actually, I'm not. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look into that. Not that okay. I know of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, in your latest podcast, there's a couple of things that came up. I had some thoughts on. The Solo movie and its reception. I understand your point about how Disney could have improved the marketing of the Solo movie in advance of release. I feel like we're just constantly berating Disney out for this every episode. <laughs> not for any, you know, not and for another any another thing, animosity. here's what you should have done. Yeah. Um, however, I think one thing that you glossed over was the amount of negativity surrounding the movie prior to release. Mm-hmm. It was well documented about the firing of original directors Lord and Miller and where they were taking the movie and also how Disney brought in Ron Howard to pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. Reshoots, of course, were then scheduled and reported on in the press, and then there were rumours about Alden Ehrenreich's acting ability being below par during production. That's true. I really enjoyed the movie and ended up going to see it three times in the cinema, but I can't help but feel that the negativity that surrounded this movie during production may have affected its box office performance. I, I, I totally that agree. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I thought you... I didn't realize you were done. Sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, that and the fact it was released five months after The Last Jedi, potentially the excitement build-up just wasn't there for Solo. Um, should we break that down before we move on to the next bit? Yeah, by all means. Um, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I think, you know, we've touched on it. We've touched on the negativity and the... The negativity and the, and the, the trouble, the production troubles, I think, in... <laughs> past episodes way back but yeah it's, yeah it's a fair point that in the recent episodes See, we probably haven't given it the uh the I'm, amount of credence it probably deserves in terms of a reason behind I, I don't i don't know if i would agree i think it comes back to that point i was making earlier in the episode about this cognitive dissonance the star wars fandom was aware of the production issues okay. and the recasting of directors and and all that. Yeah. Uh, people who are into going to a cinema as a hobby, uh, the kind of people who buy Total Film or Empire magazine mm-hmm. or keep up with um, the Hollywood and the movie-making industry yeah. would have been aware of the production inju- uh, issues. I don't believe the vast majority of people were. 
No, that's a fair point. That's it's probably true, based actually. On not only because of that cognitive dissonance, but also that the vast majority of people weren't aware there was a movie, let alone that the movie was having production issues. That's a fair point. I mean, that is, you know, clearly by the by the box office numbers where it didn't do as well as hoped. Yeah. It, I don't you know, believe any Star Wars fan didn't go and see it on the grounds of, oh, it had a troubled production history, best not bother with that one. Mm. It's like, what? No, that's not what makes your mind up about going to see a Star Wars movie. No, it's possibly, probably not. Um, but I do, I, you know, I think he's... see Rogue One. Yeah, true. And that would, that had its own production troubles, mm. you know. Um, yeah, so... So, yeah, I, I take your point. Yeah, as fans, we, we kind of peek behind the curtain at this kind of stuff. Yeah. And... The vast majority of Star Wars fans, meaning people who like Star Wars, yeah, in some sorry. form, yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. Face value, so yeah. I, I don't know that I buy into the Lord Miller thing being um, a contributing factor to its struggles. I think one area in which I think it does contribute is it did. You know, obviously there was a after the Last Jedi. You know, we've we've touched on it, maybe not as much as you know other shows but we've we have touched briefly on there is some kind of it's a it's a it's a divisive film we we know this undeniably yes yeah. um and maybe it maybe gave more ammunition to the people who were kind of had the were taking the angle that lucasfilm had sort of lost the plot it mm-hmm. probably gave put more more fuel on their fire but otherwise yeah. i i i, I I do see both sides of this. I mean, you know, I think you're, I think you're right that it's, it's very much something that the hardcore fans and the real kind of film enthusiasts are going to know more about than your average kind of yeah. cinema goer on the street. The then the especially, I mean, the reshoots. Yeah, you might have read about that in the paper. You know that Ron Howard had come yeah. in to sort of take over. Alden's the rumors about Alden's acting ability. I don't think that's the kind of thing that would have bled through to the common man. You know, no. sort of your standard. I don't want to say it like I don't mean it disparagingly, but your standard movie fan. I don't yeah, mean like no, bog, t- like bog standard as in you know basic. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean you know you're sort of your your face fan. Yeah, your your fan. Everything you say sounds dismissive, doesn't it? That's what I mean. Um, you know what I mean? It's I yeah. feel bad. Uh, <laughs> I I I kind of insist on such a low barrier to entry to Star Wars fandom yeah. uh, because I think fair any enough. Uh, gatekeeping poodoo you'd end up with as a result of enforcing that would not yeah. be positive force. Totally agree. Um, so as I've said before on the show, if you say you like Star Wars and you're a Star Wars fan, Good that's, that's literally what you need to do. You, yeah. don't, you, don't, you don't pass an entry exam and no. delineate the differences between sign our flight systems and quiet drive yards. No one's going to make you do that. to be but yeah, when it comes to the kind of knowledge that uh, a certain type of fan actively seeks out, yeah, there is, uh, um, and maybe we just need a better term than fan for that, maybe because maybe enthusiast uh, is the way forwards. Enthusiast, yeah, because like I say, I you know the the average the average Star Wars fan who goes and enjoys the movies might own them on DVD and watch them every now and again mm-hmm. is. As in love with Star Wars as I am, who's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a weekly Star Wars podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and the fact that I know more from them doesn't mean that I love it more. No. And it doesn't make so us, it it doesn't make us better. There's no but I, stuff that might. We're, we're intrigued. We actively seek out these things, don't we? Yeah, totally. 100%. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and, and obviously by the nature of what we do and will continue to do, you know, I've certainly in my case, it's been, you know, I've been more involved in fandom in the last two years than I've would have otherwise been just by the nature of doing this show. And, sure. you know, it's, to the point where I'm not a really big spoiler person, but I found myself reading stuff that could end up happening in the film. And it's yeah. just because of the nature of doing the show that I had to kind of get, get out of my own way, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, for the longest time. And it's one of those things I've just kind of had to become used to over the, uh, yeah. over the years. But yeah. And, and I think also I think where Nick is absolutely correct is I do think six months after another film was too soon. We've, we've touched on it before that it should have I understand the reasons for not pushing it back to December but I really feel like it would have benefited from it mm -hmm. um, I really feel like moving it to December taking advantage of that Christmas time slot which at the moment is like say you're up against Aquaman and Aquaman I'm sure looks like a perfectly serviceable movie but I really feel like it, Solo would have taken a good chunk of money from it Oh, good, yes. Yeah, yeah, especially up against, you know, I say Infinity War is so far, I think, the biggest film of the year by some margin. Oh, if they'd wait till December and all, to a way of increasing um, uh, Solo's marketing, is I think another mistake they made was they marketed it as Solo. They didn't market enough as Solo, a Star Wars story, capitalising yeah, on the success true. of Rogue One. Yeah, that's if very true. If they pushed but it was for next in the series after Rogue One, then I think they would have found a lot more people a lot more interested. Maybe, because I think Rogue One was one of those films that... I think the difference, maybe this is where the difference comes down. Rogue One had a big wave of fans giving it a go at the first hurdle, and then mm -hmm. they carried on going because it was good, and then they the word of mouth got to the, to the sort of yeah. more casual fans who also gave it a go. And I think... My recollection is that it probably made somewhere in the region of a billion. I don't know the figures somewhere at all. In, somewhere in that, I feel like but it's somewhere it, in that it, region. It, it was popular. It, it was really was. Pop, it was both critically and, I would say, commercially pretty successful. Yeah. Um, Solo, I think... Oh, here we go, yeah. Box office, 1.056 billion. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's domestic or worldwide. Uh, but I think with a production budget of 200 mil, that's, and, you know, obviously the marketing budget is a, a fair bit on there, but uh, at the same time, I think overall it's probably considered a pretty, pretty significant success. Because like I say, it sure. was both critically and commercially successful. Solo, yeah. I don't think had that opening kind of level. It didn't have that first stable bedrock to work from. And I think what happened next was exactly as it did with Rogue One, which is where people went, oh, this film's really good. You should definitely go and see it. I think the difference is that last film before Rogue One was Force Awakens, which you know, made a lot of money, and obviously it had its, you know, its detractions in terms of its similarity to episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Four and a bit of stuff like that. But broadly speaking, it was an enjoyable experience for most people. Yeah. Last Jedi, as we kind of touched on a minute ago, is a divisive movie. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think that this time there was more hesitation about, oh, do you know what? I don't know if I'm going to if I want to, because I spoke to people who were like this, you know, they, they enjoyed force awakens. They loved rogue one, but when it came to last Jedi, they were like, you know what? It's just not for me. And it mm. made, it made them gun shy, you know, and I had to really yeah. kind of sell the film more than I would expect to have otherwise needed to do to, commit, yeah. to sort of, you know, give these people that I was talking to a kind of a sense of what it was about. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we did, I didn't have the ability to say like, it's just, it's the new star Wars movie. It's awesome. It wasn't yeah. enough this time around. It, people were needed more in terms of, you know, an incentive to go and see it. I think that's where it kind of where the difference came. That's how I that's how I see it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's what Nick? What does Nick go on to say? Uh, Nick then goes on to say, Bane. If the powers that be decided to make this epic trilogy into a movie, I reckon Joel Kinnaman from The Killing Stroke Altered Carbon would be a perfect fit for Bane. He's not an actor I'm familiar with. Is no, I had to look him up. Um, but I, I, he's got a good look, I think. He's a, I think he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a Scandinavian actor. I believe he's Swedish, but I might be wrong on that. So I'm going to double-check because, you know, um, I've been burned recently on this. Uh, American-Swedish actor, so, okay. yeah. Uh, so he's... But he's got a good kind of, I could see it working. He's got that kind of, he could make a good sort of tough guy look. But I feel okay. like, and I feel like I've seen him in something, because I haven't seen the shows that are sort of referencing, like Altered Carbon and stuff, but I feel like I've seen him in something not that long ago. There you go, I'll pop you up a picture in the camera there. Okay, got, yeah, I can see that. You know, he's, he's relatively, there's, other, there's better pictures of him. Um, he's, he's quite stocky. Here's one of him cosplaying as Darth Vader. Uh, he's quite tall, my understanding. Oh, that's who he is. You've seen the Robocop remake, right? No. Ah, okay. So uh, for those who've seen the Robocop remake, uh, he plays Robocop. Okay. Yeah, he's, in, he's, the, he's the main actor in the remake. Plays Alex okay. Murphy in the remake. Okay, uh, and I, to, you know, to be honest, I mean, I love the original RoboCop. I actually quite liked the new one. It was different, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't trying to do the same story, and I quite admired that. It was very much telling a different, doing a different take on the same concept. Okay. And uh, I thought he did a pretty good job of that, you know. So okay, cool. He he could work. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't go down the robot cop route with Bane. <laughs> I would stick with the very much a, a human a human sort of character all the way through. So yeah. I think that's safe, you know, much safer. Yeah. And he's clearly, you know, in Killing an Altered Carbon, he has very good reviews. So I think he's proven that he can carry yeah. a fully human role. Uh, okay. As yeah. opposed to a sort he definitely of... definitely human. Yeah, it definitely the promotional pictures certainly lend itself to yeah. be, him being a fully human actor. Or he's playing I mean, a very convincing human on uh, yeah. TV. So, I, yeah, I could see that working. 
Yeah. Um, I hadn't um, realised it was. I hadn't put it together that it was him until I looked into. Uh, I saw another picture from something that uh, made me realise. But yeah, I, I I could see that working. To be honest, Joel Kinnaman, that okay. definitely worked. Uh, Nick C has one last thing in his email. Cool. Um, uh, also, in a previous episode, you talked about some of the best lightsaber battles, and it got you on the subject of the music that goes with them. For example, Return of the Jedi, Luke Vader, and Phantom Menace, more Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon. While it's not part of the duel in the forest, the moment Ray plucks the lightsaber out of the air from Kylo Ren in Force Awakens, with a score from John Williams in the background, that, for me, is the greatest use of John Williams' music in any moment in any Star Wars film. What would be your moment for the best use of the scored music? Thanks for reading, Nick C. Well, there's a loaded question. I think that's uh, a really good example, though. That's a yeah, really good moment. Is. And uh, John Williams is absolutely masterful at pinpointing and underscoring plot points of yes. music that you don't even notice until later. I totally agree. Uh, like the Emperor's theme being yes. in the celebration music at the end of Phantom Menace. Yes. Uh, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that whole uh, Augie's Municipal Parade piece. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. I'll stop there, otherwise Spotify will sue me. Um, <laughs> Is if you it is if you slow that down and you do it in a minor key, it is note for note the yes. Emperor's theme. It's not a reworking. It's not um, a variation of. It's a transposition into a, a major key. It is. It is the Emperor's theme. It's yeah. not. It is in no way could it be considered accidental. It's a hundred percent intentional. Oh, totally. It's John Williams. And, yeah, uh, he's he's masterful at things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, it it took uh, it took someone else pointing out to me for me to notice it, and now I can't not notice it. And it's yeah. just the idea of uh, what is perceived uh, on the surface as this wonderful, victorious parade, and everything's wrapped up lovely and smiley. Mm-hmm. It's actually the whole thing is a victory parade for Palpatine. Yeah, totally. He started on the path of just, his ultimate victory. It's just. Cocking ah. genius. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, that, that's one that immediately uh, leaps to mind as mm-hmm. being just, uh, like I, I mentioned on a previous episode about the choral melancholy of that, uh, the Death Star 2 yes. uh, battle as well. Um, interestingly, as you know, Kylo Ren's themes in Phantom Menace. I did not know that. No, uh, and, I, and this one I don't believe is intentional. I think it's just an ominous-sounding piece of music. If you okay. go to Phantom Menace at the point where Queen Amidala's ship lands on Tatooine, yeah. it's very clearly Kylo Ren's thing. Oh, okay, uh, I have to give that a listen. I think he's just kind of revisited an ominous-sounding piece of music, yeah. and it's it's definitely Kylo Ren. I'm sure if you YouTube something like Kylo Ren in Phantom Menace, it'll it'll bring it straight up. Yeah, yeah. I'll be able to find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, so the Emperor Palpatine's theme in, in in Phantom Menace, or the resurgence of Duel of the Fates, kind of is the counter melody of Battle of the Heroes and Revenge of the Sith yes, as well. Yes, that's that's a good example. Um, I would say there's a really good use of that same. Uh, it's very, if it's not the same piece of music, it's, it's incredibly similar. That when Ray plucks a lightsaber from the snow is um, in the Death Star trench in the in Episode Four when Luke gets Obi Wan in his ear saying mm-hmm. use the force and then he sort of he kind of looks off into the distance and then he suddenly just turns in and the music kind of gets way more sort of militaristic and important again and he turns off his targeting computer and that whole sequence is just great yeah 
Um, I remember the other absolute genius, uh, John Williams' moment, um, Across yeah. the Stars. Yes. Have you noticed it's a Star Wars theme? No. Is for Star Wars theme. Okay, I have to, is that sped up then? If you were to listen to it, no, it's, it's just it's just a variant of the structure. Oh, and okay. the is, is identical, and yeah. it is one of those again. It's it's you you can't argue it's coincidence. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, the counter melody is identical. Um, well, I mean, Star yeah, Wars is the Skywalker story. Yeah, and uh, I, I said, um, I think I've said in a previous episode, I don't believe anyone gets Star Wars quite like uh, John Williams does. No, I would agree. I think to yeah. even George would probably agree. Yeah, no, he's he's so emotionally invested in it. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of aware of singing too much, otherwise we'll get taken off Spotify. But, uh, <laughs> I think separate tracks hummed are fine. But yeah, I, I mean, I haven't um, looked into it in yeah, any great depth. Uh, again, there, there used to be a, a brilliant uh, podcast called Star Wars Oxygen, and that was almost yes. like a documentary analysis of, of uh, the, um, the John Williams's work on yeah. Star Wars. They did an episode uh, on Rogue One as well, didn't they? Just yes, it, I think they did. Probably the largest yeah, film they did. Yeah, I think it just, like like these projects do. It did just. Uh, uh, tail off after yeah. a while, but the early stuff is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, um, I think David W. Collins has got his own. David, his, thank you. That's the soundtrack, right. yes. the soundtrack show he does now. I, it's I, a podcast just about movie soundtracks in general. It's oh, not just Star such, Wars. Just like a guy, yeah. a great radio presenter as well. So that'd be he amazing. Is. Yeah, yeah. But, I think I think oh. it's called the soundtrack show. Yeah. Um, have you noticed the Death Star's got a theme? No. Ba 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 ba. Literally every time the Death Star comes up on screen, you okay. get that little four note fanfare. Ah. And uh, the point of when we were playing Rebellion, it's now rule if you move the Death Star, you have to do the Death Star fanfare when you do that it. That seems fair, you know. Um, the only thing, does it turn up in Rogue One? Because I feel like they use something different in Rogue oh, One. Do you know, I'd, I'd have to re listen to the Rogue One soundtrack. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I do think the guys who've worked, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with their names, sorry, the guys who've done Solo and uh, Rogue One. So Rogue, Rogue One was Michael Giacchino. Chikina, thank yes. you. Uh, he's he did such an incredible job yes. of echoing Williams' work in six weeks, no less. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't take that job. But no, I, I think it's <laughs> there you know, was there's there a lot of pressure. Was eight, eight o'clock the first day with his flute and his banjo, and he was determined to knock it out. <laughs> uh, and then I think it's John, is it John Powell does the solo one? That sounds right. That sounds. I've not listened to that one as much, but again, if they they've managed to get. Uh, the Enough. feel yeah. that Williams established without uh, actively making it. It doesn't sound like a rip-off. It sounds like, like an extension. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, they've, and uh, I hope Williams likes it as well for that reason. I hope so. But um, I think he, he came in, didn't he, to do um, the Han Solo theme in the Solo soundtrack, which I still haven't yeah, I isolated. Haven't that no, no. Um, I think I have. A th- I had a theory on where it turned up when I when I went to watch it the second time. I was sort of listening out for it because obviously once you've been and there's no surprises in the plot, you can just sit back and enjoy other things about the movie. And I yeah. was very kind of conscious of the music because I was looking for that theme. And I think I've. I think I've isolated it, but I've not actually gone back and listened to the soundtrack in isolation to pick it out to be sure. But I think I, I think I figured out where it is, but uh, I'm not sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm trying to think in terms of the best moment of any score of any use of the score. 
It's a big question. It is a huge question. You know, it's. I, I still feel like that choral swell in in the Vader Luke battle yeah. too is is it's, so wonderful. Like I said, that to me, the fact that it's sad rather than yeah, it's, re- it's resignation it rather than how much Sean Williams gets Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's not any like other a, composer would have made that dramatic or exciting, not melancholy. Yeah, because it's like a defeat almost. Yeah, because he's kind of is. given in. Yeah. Um. Oh, the Cloud City theme tune. Oh, the, you know, the music in Cloud City is quite nice, as I recall. Yeah. I think uh, the sort of Twin Sun stuff, I think, is beautiful. Yes, that's very true. That's kind of iconic Star Wars, isn't it, as well? Yeah. yeah it really is. Yeah. Um, I th- I, the Asteroid Field, as well, is is, oh, is stunning. And I love that they brought it back for Solo. Yeah. Sorry? I love that they brought it back for Solo, as well. Yeah. That it's in the castle yeah. run. I absolutely love Ray's theme as well. I think that's beautiful. It's very yeah. It's it's quite subtle, isn't it? It builds yeah. from uh, from yeah, very little just, to a kind of a big crescendo at this sort of towards the yeah, end. Yeah, you just got that kind of Celeste. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's, celeste or, it's either a Celeste or a, a Piccolo, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, just kind of builds, and by by like the halfway point, it's just absolutely soaring. Yeah, along. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I... plug Galactic Empire again and say check out Galactic Empire's version of Ray's theme because okay. played on uh, played on electric guitar. It's absolutely amazing. Cool. Uh, I do like. I've I've started. March of the Resistance was one that initially didn't work for me, and it's grown on me significantly over time. Same. Um, and that's a nice one. That's a really nice one because you've got the that first time you hear it is when. Um, is it when they they turn up on uh, Takodana and they're sort of skimming across the water? So it's over the lake, isn't it? Yeah, when you sort of see them yeah, turning up, so. skimming in, and that mm-hmm. that whole scene is superb anyway. But um, if you know that piece of music tied with all that space battle stuff is is great, you know. Yeah, I think we're ignoring the obvious here as well. The Imperial March is genuinely one of the greatest pieces of classical music ever written. It really is. It's so it's... iconic. Yeah, but it's uh, first of all, it's, it's somehow it's in a minor key, but it's also triumphant as well. It's it's a march. It's like uh, the horns uh, are pushing out, but there's almost like as well this kind of Black Sabbath type heavy metal underpinning of it yeah. as well. I've just thought of another uh, good one. Uh, episode three, Palpatine's teachings. Oh, the, um, the throat singing, the tube and throat Mongolian singing. throat singing. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just, yeah, uh, which is kind of revisited in uh, Snoke's theme as well, I yes. think. Yes, yeah, it's got a bit of a, I, I wonder if that's kind of, the initial thinking was that that was kind of tied into Plagueis and I think more likely it's tied into the dark side of the force. I agree, that's yeah. The sort of, that's the sense I get now, um, unless they're going to do a Snoke swerve, which I really kind of hope they don't. Uh, even though I did, would like to have seen more of the character, I, I feel like own it, you know, and move on. And there's, you know, they can tell a far more interesting story with Kylo Ren than they can with Snoke in Episode Nine. Um, but so that one, and also in Episode Three, there's the what is the name of it? Where Anakin's in the Jedi Temple, Padme's in there in her apartment, and they're kind of both staring out towards each other. Well, actually, they're not, are they? They're both staring at the Jedi Temple. Yeah, I no. know what you mean. It's, just that, it's almost like 
the mirror image of Padma, of Palpatine's te- teachings. Yeah, it's Padme's ruminations. High register synthesizer. Yeah, Padme's ruminations. That's what it's called. Padme's ruminations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a really high pitched, almost like just on the edge of hearing synthesizer. Yeah, line, it's isn't so it? faint, but it's so beautifully done. Yeah, and it's just this. It's they've got this. Yeah. They play out this whole turmoil in both characters on the on the screen, and they've got this kind yeah. of just really faint music that's almost barely there in the yeah. backdrop. Um, I defy anyone who is uh, a detractor of or not a fan of the prequels uh, to say that the music is not up to scratch because I think any criticism you may have of the prequels, the John Williams completely knocked it out of the park. Oh, he does a great job of that for those that whole series. I think Rendy was saying as a highlight because he, at the time, he thought that would be the last one he'd get to do and he yeah. went out on a, a high point. And then Force Awakens came along and that's almost like revisiting old friends but also adding new bits in as well, which tied in perfectly to yeah. uh, the zeitgeist of when that movie came out. Totally. And, it, you know, the and episode eight, it's a, it's a mix for me. It's a bit of a greatest hits of John Williams kind of vibe. Yeah. Whereas, I like just you say, John Williams didn't know quite know what to make of Last Jedi. No, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. Maybe even he kind of struggled with well, where do you know? I, he obviously he does he does going? a good job, but he it's yeah. almost like picks he picks and chooses from various different films to get the sort of tapestry woven, mm. and yeah. it's almost like a patchwork quilt rather than a tapestry. Well, there you go. It's like a patchwork quilt rather than a tapestry. It's it's little bits and pieces of stuff that you're already familiar with overlaid over a you know over a familiar t- sort of template rather than a tapestry which is just depicting one kind of sweeping narrative across from start to finish yeah that's kind of how i see episode eight soundtrack in relation eight to the others yeah okay yeah um also jedi steps from the end of force awakens as well that is superb yeah really is yeah. great um but yeah let's like say episode three is probably the most replete with examples that I can think it of. It is my favorite for soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. Um. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, yeah, Nick, hopefully that answers your question. Thank you for uh, sending that one in. That's a lot of fun to... Uh to come up with thanks for letting us just be soundtrack nerds for a bit as well there you go right this is a any any excuse to be honest um yeah so our final question for the evening comes from adam k okay uh, adam's been a you know a devoted writer inner since we uh you know since the change in administration and uh, i have to yeah. thank adam as well for joining the patreon campaign for the first time uh, yeah. welcome aboard we hope to be worthy of your support um, so, far, awesome. yeah. so far, I feel like we're fine. Um, yeah. So Adam writes, hey, Rob and Brad, last week's show hey. was a good one. I, I listened, agree. I listened to it and was super impressed with the listener presence and hope it becomes the norm. Us too. Yeah, so far, so good, I would say. Uh, yeah. I had some thoughts about the bit on Emphy's Nest working with the Rebellion. My interpretation okay. on the ending of Solo was that the Cloud Riders were the seeds of the Rebellion. I don't remember direct quotes from the movie, and unfortunately it's not out on digital, uh, on home release yet, so I have nothing to refer back to. But I remember her saying more or less that each of their members are freedom fighters, survivors, defiant against the Empire and Crimson Dawn oppression. 
There was a moment where Emphis Nest gives uh, Hound gives Emphis Nest the coaxium, and she mentions that it's enough to help fund a rebellion. I think the word choice was deliberate, giving you a clue into what these cloud riders evolve into. Perhaps I'm overthinking it, but I thought it was clear that these freedom fighters are the rebellion in its earliest stage. Feel free to respond to that. No. Uh, do you want to do the, that bit first? Because this is the next. Sure. Quite. I, uh, I think, yeah, I think okay. that's true. I think. Um, um, I sorry, could believe them being involved. I don't know that they are the only ones. No, involved. I, think, I see rebellion as a series of like-minded groups yes. unifying because it's a rebel alliance. Totally, yeah, it's absolutely. I think that's. I think kind of what Adam's driving at more is that they're the sort of they're they're there at the very beginning of it. You know, they're okay. the, they're, you can kind of look at that moment as the as the kind of the start of something significant. You know, more significant in terms of maybe they've got the coaxium is kind of designed to give them a significant boost you know so it goes okay, from, they yeah. go from something very kind of small and underground this might give them enough to to do something significant to improve in a significant to have a exponential growth okay yeah. that's kind of how i you know how i sort of see it mm-hmm. um and i think it's absolutely right i think the word choice is deliberate it's very much designed to 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 i think they've already touched on it by that point but i think one of the things it does is it it definitely frames the cloud riders in which side of the fight they're on mm-hmm. because up until that point they've obviously been sort of portrayed as the villains of the piece until you realize that obviously dryden voss is a bit of a wrong and beckett's not to be trusted and the cloud riders are actually kind of they've got more um benevolent motives in mind they got a bit they're a bit more altruistic than they might have mm-hmm. otherwise appeared so I think it's designed to just really hammer home that final point of, you know, we're on the side of what ends up being the rebellion by that point. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how I, my take on it. Uh, so then Adam goes on to ask, as far as a question, this goes, I'm actually curious to know how you both rank your star Wars movies from best to worst. I'd be interested to learn where you two, if at all deviate on your lists. Also, in future rants, when you're talking about a specific movie, I'd like to know where it stands in relation to the rest. You two up for ranking them? What do you got? Best, Adam K. I think we're up for it, don't you? Yeah, sure. So, uh, worst. Well, it, let's say, rather than worst, let's say least favourite. Yeah, the, the, the one that you love yeah. the least. Yeah. Okay. So for we had a quick discussion about this behind the scenes. We are, are not including the Legends movies. Nope. But this is the eight saga movies, the yep. two Star Wars stories, and the Clone Wars animated movies. What we're counting. Yeah. So they're the the stuff that's considered kind of hard cinematic canon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the Ewok movies, not the Star Wars holiday special. Indeed. Which and, is a shame because uh, I think that's the best one. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was like, "Oh, I really liked him." And <laughs> we we watched. Uh, not last Christmas, one before. We did. I don't think I've recovered. No, it's 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 not even that it's it's not that it's bad. It's weird. It's yeah, bad isn't the right word for it. No, it's surreal. It, I mean, it is bad, yeah. but it's that doesn't quite uh, to to borrow a Jay Pinkerton phrase. Um, it is bad, but to say it's bad is to say that you've accidentally ended up with an aircraft carrier as a flatmate. Yeah, something's gone wrong, but that doesn't quite sum up the sheer amount of things that must have gone wrong for you to end up with an aircraft carrier as a flatmate. 
<laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about when I say the Star Wars Holiday Special is bad. Yeah. I mean, to give the listeners an idea, your mum is a huge, huge Star Wars fan. And oh, absolutely. I've never seen her angrier than after that finished. <laughs> never. Exactly I've never seen her so cross as when that no. finished. No. And, it, and I don't mean because she was really happy, really sad it was over. I mean, she was livid that it was a thing. Yeah. She seemed but, personally put out see, by that. Well, I thought was the first. The thing about the Star Wars Holiday Specials, you do kind of have to view it in its uh, historical time frame as well, which yeah, was true, Star Wars yeah. wasn't a big thing yet. No. And no. this TV chat, it was a successful film, but people were still expecting it to be gone in two, three years' time. Sure. Sure. At the outside. Movies back then were six months of a cinema and gone. There was no VCRs. You didn't get them back. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, they might they might tour around the cinema occasionally as a B feature, you know. They, they, yeah. But Star Wars yeah. was going to be done in six months' time. And That's suddenly true. some some goofball at a TV studio <laughs> told, oh, by the way, you need for Thanksgiving, you need to knock up a, a TV special for Star Wars. And, you know, if we think about a movie that came out and was reasonably successful um, in the last couple of years, like a live-action movie. What's the reason? Even like Ready Player One, say, as an example. If you were told, right, in nine months' time, you need to have completed a Ready Player One Christmas TV special, you wouldn't know what to do. No, and you probably end up doing a variety show with some celebrity guest appearances, which is exactly what Star Wars did. Yeah, true, true. It's very, it's it's a very strange thing to watch in a modern context. I, it really, I would say, it, yeah, it's it's an absolute mess. Mind, it's a mind melt. Yeah, you just find yourself incredulous. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and I I don't know whether or not to recommend it to people because I feel if you're a Star Wars fan, it is something that needs to be experienced. Yes, but same time, if you are a Star Wars fan, if there was one experience I could spare you, it would be watching the Star Wars all the specials. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? It's so. Yeah. We, thankfully, we don't have to include it. So uh, <laughs> because it's not. Canon. <laughs> it anywhere near the top anyway. No, it wouldn't have been. God, just, can you, oh, it would have just occupied my bottom spot. It would have just left a bigger gulf between the bottom spot yeah. and the second from bottom it's, spot. Yeah. It's the worst Star Wars movie and the worst Back to the Future movie somehow. Yeah, it's, it's but yeah, it's the third best Jurassic Park. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, so... Uh, least favourite. So, uh, least favourite. Uh, so we're going bottom to top. We'll go bottom... Well, we could go top to bottom. That's fine. I know I'm, Adam I'm, said bottom. I know no, Adam said top to bottom. Everyone, everyone always does top to bottom. Let's do bottom to top. All right, let's do bottom to top. So we've got 11 movies. So this is position okay. number 11. It looks like you've got a pen and paper just out of shot. So I'm assuming you're writing this down. Uh, I can do. I, I've been taking yeah, show notes, awesome. but I can make a note of this. So just oh, I thought it was another piece of paper. I know. If any of these things had multiple pages, these notebooks. <laughs> so I'm going to do, so 11, 10. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. Sorry, too much Thunderbirds. <laughs> As a kid, I just yeah. Now I just have to five. five. Uh, <laughs> oh, it makes sense to those familiar with the connected materials. Um, yeah. Right, number eleven. So the the least favorite of the canon Star Wars movies. What do you got? Attack of the Clones. 
Attack of the Clones. All right. It's uh, it's got some wonderful music, as we just mentioned. It's got some truly great set pieces that are fun while you're watching. It's just a bit of an airport novel because once you get to the end of it and look back, you realise there are bits that don't really work tie together, work. and it's just. Uh, and also the editing wise, I just think it's it's a bit of a mess, and if I, it is not any of the cast's best performances either. I think the direction is very slapdash in terms of, because, um, and it really bugs me when people kind of use Hayden Christensen as a bit of a whipping boy for the prequels, when you bear in mind the sheer quality of the actors that are in the Star Wars prequels not giving their best career performances. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's true. Very true. So uh, Attack of the Clones, you're number 11. I'm going to say Clone Wars Animated. Okay. Uh, for me, it is utterly unmemorable, and that's the the. To be honest, that's probably the 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 most damning statement I can make about a Star Wars movie. I mm-hmm. take away next to nothing from it, okay. and I realise that I'm probably even less the target demographic than normal in that case. But um, at the same time, I mean, I enjoy the Clone Wars cartoon, the yeah. um, both the Tartovsky Legend stuff and the. Um, the animated Dave Filoni series, but that mm-hmm. movie for me, it was already off to a not to a great start when it didn't open with the Star Wars theme, mm-hmm. and instead opened with the kind of the galaxy is at war kind of yeah message. It did make it feel like a toy at the yeah. It, yeah. To say it just it the, started the, off the on the that. soundtrack has grown on me over time, mm. but um, it doesn't quite manage the blend with Williams like we mentioned earlier that the other composers have achieved. Yeah, so for me that's number eleven. It's you know like I say okay. it's, it, the 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 not, there's a lot of thing. There's probably some stuff that would be cool if I had to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I do have a copy, but mm. it's mainly just for completeness' sake. Then nothing more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number ten then. Uh, for exactly the same reason. Uh, as Attack of the Clones. It's got some great set pieces. Uh-huh. It's got some great action moments. It's uh, got some important story developments. But at the end, you turn around and it doesn't quite pull together. It's The Last Jedi. Okay, fair enough. Uh, my number 10 is going to be Attack of the Clones. Okay. Uh, I like it. You know, I watched it again recently. It was on TV and I sat and watched it. And I can sit and watch that movie multiple times and i've ha- mm-hmm. and i have you know yeah uh i did it at the cinema i've done most of them at the cinema i think if not all of them at this point if you include the special editions which mm-hmm. otherwise i wouldn't be in a position to do it because i wasn't born yet so that's tricky uh it does make it more difficult and puts a lot more pressure on my mum, uh which seems unfair so mm-hmm. yeah attack of the clones i've i can watch it I've, on I tv it. it's not my favorite clearly but uh, there's stuff to like about it, but you're absolutely right. For me, from my point of view, it's two movies going on at the same time, one of which I really like, which is the Obi-Wan intrigue Cypher DS plot, which then never gets resolved again. And yeah. the other one is the Anakin Padme, which is necessary, but for me does nothing. Do you think, because they, cause, uh, to me, there's a bit of an unfired check off going because I thought it was Cypher Dias was so obviously um, a poor an- anagram of Sidious right. 
that's supposed to be implying that Palpatine maneuvered for the army into being created, but that's never picked up again. No, I think that is the. I think it is meant to be Palpatine that's behind it all. Yeah. Um, but I don't necessarily think that you, you're absolutely right. They don't do a very good job of explaining that in any case. Mm. Uh, but there you go. Number nine. Yeah. Alternatively, after they found out that Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas was involved, he had to fake his own death. That's entirely possible. Um, number nine. Uh, Clone Wars animated. Clone Wars animated. All right. Yeah. Uh, an enjoyable action movies. Again, some set pieces that I really love. I think the battle up the cliff face is brilliant. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was the first person to be really... Uh, yeah, a lot of people hated the idea of Ahsoka originally, much as, you know, fandom has very much come around on her recently. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, but people hated it. I thought it was a great idea. It was another way of adding a depth to Anakin mm-hmm. as a character. Uh, I think the baby hut's cute. Um, yeah. I just think it's really... It's it's a fun Star Wars movie, but not uh, significant or impactful enough to place it higher up the list. I think that's a fair comment. Um, so my number nine is The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it more than Attack of the Clones. For me, it's got slightly more to like about it than Attack of the Clones. But nonetheless, it's a little bit ropey in places. Some of the CG doesn't date fantastically well. and. Uh, the story it tells is useful, but not entirely. You could, it, it's a little bloated for me. It's one of those things where maybe because he had three films, the story sort of expanded to fill the space. Yeah. Where actually you probably could have got away with tightening that up and doing some, you know, putting some more kind of impressive set pieces in there. Yeah. Who knows? You know, at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm almost making the argument for like a Michael Bay style, ooh, explosions everywhere kind of yeah. film, which I'm not, I, I'm not deliberately trying to make that argument. <laughs> uh, number eight. Uh, what was the last one I says? Uh, was I was animated, yeah. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace? Okay. Yeah. Um, again, a really enjoyable movie uh i'm not one of its attractors at all i think uh yeah it has some plot holes but i don't believe it has any more problems than any other star wars uh movie does really um some bits which don't really pay off in the longer run but i think that's to be expected again of a saga running that kind of length of time mm-hmm. um and that's what the expanding universe materials are there for there to pick up all the friends that get dropped um John Williams' score is absolutely outstanding. It was like, it almost felt like he captured the mood of the time because you know, the Star Wars soundtracks were great and then this new one was coming and the, the soundtrack is uh, probably his most bombastic one, I think. Um, we always come back to John Williams when we're talking about this. We do. It's, uh, a, big, it's a huge yeah. factor. I think if you talk yeah, about Star Wars out, without the music, you're, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I really so loads of set pieces, love. Um the initial shot for seeing the double-ended lightsaber in the trailer was amazing. And um, uh, on a personal note, just being part of the excitement of leading up to yes. uh, there being an episode one, the film we didn't think we were was ever actually gonna see the going day. to see yeah. was suddenly there. Yeah, and it would be hard to explain to kids now with their annual Star Wars movies and two monthly comics and yeah. uh, multiple animated series and mm-hmm. quarterly books. But uh, back when I was a kid, you used to have to wait your entire life for a new Star Wars movie. This is it. 
and then like buses they all kind they come along once a year uh, <laughs> so number eight for me is the force awakens okay uh this is one that's this eight and seven are so in flux that i've literally just changed it while i've been talking to you mm. um force awakens for me is an enjoyable movie but i feel like there's quite a lot of quite glaring similarities to a new hope yeah and while i don't envy the job that jj abrams had to do i would have preferred a little more novelty but at the same time it does a very serviceable job of setting up the new characters mm-hmm. uh, lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details if you only have a 401k you're not getting the most for retirement wait what add a Robinhood ira on top then they'll boost it by three percent you can do that and if you transfer in any retirement account you get three percent on top of that is there a limit to the match no limit Robinhood gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any ira on the market sign up for Robinhood gold at robinhood.com boost by april 30th subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Robinhood financial llc member sipc brings in the old ones it's funny yeah it's probably one of the funnier star wars movies i would say i agree um but nonetheless it occupies position eight for the reasons okay. I listed above number seven i'm just counting down my list from work at where i've got to oh yeah because in my mental list i don't have the non-saga movies so i'm going to work it out well, I just, I just said Phantom Menace, didn't I? He did, yeah. He did. Okay, Force Awakens. Force Awakens? Okay. I thought it'd be yeah. higher on your list. Uh, uh, great. Okay. Oh, I'm an OT fan. Uh, I really liked Force Awakens. I really did. And it's, um, its appearance, so relatively low down the list, is not a knock on Force Awakens. It's sure. more a comment on how much I love the other movies. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think the new cast, with the exception of BB-8 and Poe was great. Um, uh, yeah, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered other people. Were kind of hitting the same notes. I was I was watching it the first time in the cinema when uh, Poe Dameron gives BB-8 the Death Star plans, yeah. and you scurries off into the desert. I was a little bit, oh, they're not, are they? Um, to be honest, from the point at which Finn turned up um, on, it's not actually, it's not actually on Starkiller Base. It's on the Star Destroyer, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, from the point where Finn Turp and him and Poe escaped, from that point on, I was happy it had gone in sufficiently a different direction mm-hmm. that didn't bother this much. And from then after that, the kind of the nods and winks about it being kind of like A New Hope, they were kind of lampshaded and were more um, kind of a comment on the pop culture around this movie actually happening. And um, it was a reboot in the real sense in that it rebooted interest in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I understand why it had to go over a little bit of familiar ground to do so. Yeah. 
Um, but no, gen- uh, say I'm, it, it's present so far down with this is not that I don't like. No, no, none of these are. Not that I don't like any of these movies. I like Attack of Clones and I like Last Jedi. Um, but it, it is more of just um, by default, it finds its way so far down with this. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, say, you know, we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but to reiterate, this is, you know, none of these movies are bad. No, like no, no. Yeah, like after getting a couple list. of weeks, probably two or three of them will switch places as well. This is the thing. It's, 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 some of them are so close. This is just, this is my favourite movies as as of half past ten at night on Thursday the 16th of August 2018. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> after we get three weeks, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my number seven is The Last Jedi. Okay. Uh, I like it. There's a few things I really, really like about it. There are a few things that wind me up something chronic. Um mm-hmm. But it edges Force Awakens because although I didn't necessarily, although not everything that they did that was new and unexpected landed with me, I'm glad they tried. Yep, okay, I'm done with that. That's why it sort of edges Force Awakens. So they're the two that are kind of competing quite often. All right, number six. Solo. Solo, all right, nice. Okay. It's, uh, I, I would say, possibly even more than Force Awakens. It's the funniest of the. It's a very funny movie. It's a very funny movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think the cast is absolutely superb. I think the story is not overcomplicated, but not childish either. Mm-hmm. Um, I say if the performances really carried it for me, but it was just nice to see a very different side of the Star Wars universe, but also very much felt like home as well. It didn't go so far. I mean, even like bits of Phantom Menace are a bit too clean. They don't really feel, yeah. uh, certainly in terms of a set design, they sometimes, certainly bits of Naboo sometimes, uh, or, you know, um, Amidala's uh, Nubian, they feel a bit trekky. They mm-hmm. don't feel warsy, whereas Solo is very much definitely a Star Wars movie in terms of uh, the set design and the character design. The right the amount and, of grime. Yeah, and it was just, uh, it's a lived in universe, and it was just, I, I, I just thought it was fun from the start. I love yeah. Solo. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's great. Uh, number six for me is A New Hope. Okay. Obviously, I love it. Goes without saying. But the further we get up this list, the more they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be tough yeah. calls, to be honest. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. You know, I, I love this movie, but I love the movies above it more. Yeah. Um, nothing more to say. That's it, really, what happened. That. Awakens, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so number five. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, it's an again, it's an outstanding outstanding Star Wars movie. I don't have anything I can really criticise it for. I'm not an Ewok basher. I think Ewoks are great. Um, Sounded like a really unfortunate euphemism there. He's a bit of an Ewok basher if you know what I mean. Yeah, stick the porkings in. (laughs) Oh my. You're going to regret that. And... Uh, Return of Jedi, I think, is is brilliant. It really is. Uh, but again, like you said, I just like the other ones more. Yeah, no, fair enough. Or, uh, or in fact, you know, you know what? It's not even what I like them more. It's just they become increasingly more significant to me. Okay, fair enough. That's that's understandable. Um, so my number five is Solo. I can mm-hmm. actually see this going up the list the more I watch it. Um, Solo for me, maybe a part of it is how pleasantly surprised I was that it was really good. But mm-hmm. it's just it's just great. You know, it's got some of the best, I think some of the best action sequences. The Convey X sequence is probably one of the most exciting Star Wars sequences That's I've brilliant. seen in some years. Yeah, uh, 
so well done. It was Star Wars on a crazy train, and it was just amazing. Exactly. You know, it's like when yeah. we combine. Uh, Stuck on business plane, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's it's all of those... It's actually a business. <laughs> it's all of, those, all of those things just kind of marry up together. Like you say, the performances are great. The, the soundtrack... It's not meant as a knock, but it do, the the soundtrack it doesn't jar from the rest of the Star Wars films. The fact that it slots in so effortlessly is is mm. a big thing. Of for me, that's a big plus as to why I think it's a good it's it's a really great project. Yeah, uh, and I just think it opens up so much of the galaxy in terms of storytelling potential, in terms of illustrating kind of the seedy underbelly of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it has so much significance in that respect that I think it's it's just. It's just great. And like I say, I can really see it. If you ask me again in a couple of months, I could see it creeping its way up a couple of places. Okay, yeah. Number four. Doing it again. New Hope. New Hope, okay. Yeah. Slightly it's um, it's, it's a, such a, a solid uh, space fantasy movie. All of the characters in it are brilliant. Uh, it is paced... Uh, of all the Star Wars movies, it's possibly the best paced. There's no wasted moment yeah. in the new heart. And obviously, it just obviously landed because it was the springboard for everything that followed. It's definitely the one I've personally watched for most as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number four for me is Return of the Jedi. Okay. That edges over New Hope for me because I... I don't know what it was about it, but I just invested so much more in the redemption story and Return of the Jedi for Vader and Luke. And that whole, let's say, I've we touched on it in the discussion we had, uh, was it last week or the week before, about lightsaber battles? Yeah. It was maybe the week before last, so one thirty, um, about lightsaber battles and about how that Vader versus Luke on Death Star 2 is just so emotive and just so powerful because there's so mm-hmm. much going on there besides just two wizards fighting with swords. It's, yeah. you know, there's a whole emotional battle. There's a whole moral battle. There's a battle for his very soul just playing yeah. out in dialogue. Doesn't even, before they even sort of start swinging their swords at each other. Um, oh my. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, even if you exclude that from it, I just, I love the space battle in the above end or, Mm-hmm. it's just you know it's it's i think i remember at one point it was the most one of those shots was the most complicated shot in cinematic history wasn't it in terms of the number of moving parts because it was all acetate yeah. sheets individually spaced for the purposes of moving the ships around it was the most mm-hmm. complicated shot in cinema history and it just stuff like that just the spectacle of everything just kind of felt like me it, like it ramped up to me Empire yeah. was a much smaller movie in terms of spectacle with the exception of possibly Cloud City and Yoda lifting yeah. the X-Wing, whereas Jedi was this big, over the you know, it was this big swashbuckling adventure with Luke on the cell barge kicking people with the Force and, you know, swinging his lightsaber around. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. You know, the big battle on the cell barge, the uh, Forest Moon, the Battle of Endor, the Luke, the Luke Vader 2 lightsaber battle, just everything felt so big and so important. Yeah. And... Just for that reason, it just occupies such a big part of, you know, a big part of my Star Wars watching experience. And I was fanatical about Luke in the black outfit to the point where, where possible, I'd like to, I used to like to watch Return of the Jedi in the same black, you know, in a black, in an all black outfit, like a stage, like a stage hand. Yeah. Uh, Number three. 
Well, she's all be great for your favourite character, wasn't Chewie, I suppose. Well, quite so, or even like the one of the Gamorian guys. Well, sat in his bedroom with 10 packs of Benson strapped to him. <laughs> or uh, the Rancor Keeper, just walking around with, yeah. you know, weighing 500 pounds <laughs> with no shirt. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we're into the podium. This is the podium oh. position. So number three. This is where it gets tough. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And we've all yeah. got the same top three, haven't we? We well, this is interesting. So this is something interesting, actually. Before we move to the top three, no, I'm saying you, not, we we have the same films in the same top three, don't we? we you and I have th- th- the same three films remaining. Yeah. But now, whether or not they're in the right in the same order, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah. um, actually, if you look at the so just to kind of recap, so in the last, so the bottom five for us are all the same films, just rearranged. Yeah. And then we have the three same films again, slightly rearranged. Okay. And then the top three are all the same films, potentially rearranged. So, okay. and yet, and yet, from what I can see, we haven't agreed once on placement, which is okay. peculiar. Yeah. Um, okay. Number. Th- so this might be where it changes. Number three. Rogue one. Damn, I was so we're so close to having a completely distinct oh, really? list. Yeah, number three for me as well. Ah, oh, damn it! It's very it's that one's tough. I almost put it higher. Yeah, very these hard. three are these last three are so close. Yep. Uh, Rogue One, Rogue One. You know, I I I I, I didn't particularly gel with first time. I, 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 I went into Rogue One knowing it was going to be a very different movie, and it really took until. Kind of like uh, Donnie Yen turning up for me to go to hit their stride, and me kind of go, yeah, this is different, and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed the rest of the movie, but I, I didn't watch it again until like probably about a year later. Yeah, and when I did, I absolutely fell in love with it a second time round. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's a thing for me because um. The film I've placed at number two, I seem to remember it taking a, a while to grow on me. Okay. Um, and certainly on uh, Dracula and Dune, which are my two favourite books, mm. uh, I hated when I was a kid. And yeah? okay. it was, um, I don't know, maybe that means a second time round you go in with, not even if not lowered, then altered expectations going with managed expectations because yeah. i think what happens is especially with the new the most recent star wars films they keep a lot back yeah so you don't realize you know you learn a lot as you watch it for the first time and then the second time you know all that stuff so you knew so in rogue one the first time you didn't know there was going to be a cg Tarkin. Mm. so that yeah. would have been quite a, jarring. Your first viewing, you spend a lot of time just looking at Tarkin and trying to work out how they've done it. Yeah, and then like same in the same way, within about five minutes, I'm sitting there going, this music's good, but it's, it's weird. I'm not sure how yeah. I feel about it. And it took the second viewing, once that was kind of out of my system, for me to go, no, I quite like it. It's quite nice. You know, yeah. It's, quite, it's no, good I, and it fits I well. Think, um, again, I think it's, it's along with New Hope, there's, the pacing is superb. There's yes. not a, a dead moment in it. Um, I think probably, no, not even probably, I'm just going to be confidently say in terms of acting, it is the strongest acting performances in any Star Wars film. I would agree, you know. There's some really, really wonderful emotive moments in that movie. Like, you know, what... My heart almost broke watching uh, Jyn Erso watch the message from her dad. 
Yeah. Just that, where, as you know, you know that you've been seeing her for this first half of this movie, saying how much she hates him and how much he's kind of dead to her, and then all it takes is for him to talk for about two minutes about how much yeah. he, how badly he feels about leaving her behind, and she's in floods. Of, you know, she's welling up, and I'm always yeah. there with her. You know, I'm a cold, emotionless robot at the best of times, but even I was kind of a little bit, kind of taken yeah, yeah it, i choked up a little bit as i was sort of watching yeah. that for the first time because she go she throws herself into that performance it rogue one retroactively and not a knock on a new hope but it retroactively makes a new hope a stronger film yes um which is um something i think the prequels set out to do and didn't quite land in the same way i don't know if they fell short i think they went in a different direction from what everyone was expecting whereas rogue yeah, one I didn't agree. have those levels of expectation on it yeah um Rogue One successfully uh, makes the Empire more evil. Mm-hmm. It makes uh, all loving the world to Peter Cushing. It retroactively makes Grand Moff Tarkin a better character. He's more well. He's deeper. Yeah, you see a bit more he's, of his personality. Yeah, and uh, incredibly beautifully done. Yeah, um, and it makes Vader scary. Yes, it really does. It really does. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people were kind of quick to point the finger at uh, the prequels and say, oh, well, we've seen him as like a, a, a little kid shouting yippee and racing his pod mm-hmm. race or an emo Canadian. And it's like, no, I don't I don't know that that was the reason it was such a shock scene, Rogue One. I think it's more that Darth Vader is such a part of pop culture. You don't, you, it's, it's familiarity breeds contempt. It's, yeah, it's seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah, it, but it, it's it's not just prequels. It's Darth Vader. His balloons. He's kids' t-shirts. He's birthday parties. He's stationery. He's lit. But he's literally everywhere. And yeah. it was. It took Rogue One for you to see the animalistic, almost Darth Maul type rage. Yeah. Darks of Vader. Yeah. Uh, I think it retroactively makes the massacre of the younglings darker as well, mm-hmm. because you picture the younglings running and trying to get away from him the same as the fleet troopers do aboard the Tantif or just not Tantif 4 um, mm-hmm. the uh, whatever the blockade runner is it's Tantif 4 yeah it's Tantif 4 yeah it's yes of course it's sorry um, uh, it's, it's do you know uh, as we're talking about it I want to put it higher but I can't <laughs> No, it's, 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 but it's so yeah, good. It's, it's so good. It's, these three are ranked for personal reasons, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, they are. Uh, but no, I think Rogue One is one of the few flawless movies. Mm, I would agree. Number two, this is where it gets interesting. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, okay. Empire, go. Um, it's the most character-driven of all the Star Wars movies. Um, a lot of people seem to think, that it's, if we go back to the dark times when there are only three Star Wars movies, a lot of people uh, favour it because they say it's the dark one and because it ends on such down. And I don't think that's the reason they like it. I think the reason they like it is because it's the most character-driven. You see the most about... Han and Leia, you learn the most about the Force through Luke's eyes. Yeah, um, it's it's for movie, which it's the stuff's going on. Um, obviously, they're evacuating Rebel base, but um, 
it's it's weird because Last Jedi does that evacuating being pursued mm-hmm. deal, and it's so rushed. It's like the light speed, and we're going to crash a ship into it, and you're going to get in the ship, and you're going to fly off to a casino, and uh, we're going to. And there's just like a hundred million things going on, and yet Empire does exactly the same thing and escaping a base and trying to hide from mm-hmm. a flotilla of star destroyers. But it takes its time. It paces well, can, yeah. Ha- it, you can just have on and layer talking about fixing up the falcon yeah um there's time who's come to think i think maybe that's part of the problem i have with last jedi is it tries to squeeze too much into its running that is a problem with last jedi and, and attack of the clones is it tries to squeeze too much story into its running time yeah um but and then makes odd editing decisions as to what it leaves in and what it cuts <laughs> out um yeah uh, Empire doesn't have that. Empire no. is uh, is character driven. Mm-hmm. I think is is its greatest strength. Yeah. Um, because even the uh, Luke Vader duel, it's not. It, it's more dramatic and from a choreography point of view than the Obi Wan Darth Vader battle on the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, is not as overblown as a prequel. Uh, duels mm-hmm. and the reason for that is it's a character driven sword fight it's like a stage sword fight yeah yeah it's, um, it's and it's also testing kind of you know Vader's yeah. kind of probing the the limits of Luke's abilities and and it is he's not yeah. trying to kill him yeah and uh, there's also a, a lovely subtext moment I think um, in in the executor as well the first time you see it um, because I don't know, but do you know but the, the horror movie poster is a running gag about horror movie posters and horror movies? No. Um, it, it, at first, uh, the biggest instances of it are in um, uh, the Hills Have Eyes, a Wes Craven movie. Mm-hmm. At one point, you see a Jaws poster, a okay. cinematic poster for Jaws that's been ripped in half. Right. And it's like the little subtext is you thought Jaws was scary, this is completely ripped Jaws uh, okay. to pieces. Um, in The Evil Dead, when they're going to the basement under the house, there's a Hills of Eyes poster that's been ripped apart in half. It's just in the background of one of the shots. Yeah. So that's Sam Raimi saying, you thought Hills of Eyes was there. Uh, those are the two most famous ones. And, and and now I've said that, sometimes you're going to be watching a horror movie and you're going to see a horror movie poster ripped in half in the background of one shot. Yeah. And that's a little nudging wink of, you thought that movie was bad. I think I, think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And it's the establishing shot of the Star Destroyer from A New Hope. And the first time you see the executor is you see them swamped in the shadow. Yeah. From this uh, uh, executor class Star Dreadnought. Um, and it's the first time you see And it, it's it's hard to recapture that feeling now because we've seen it so many times. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seeing that for the first time was special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, it is, and it's almost like that subtext again of you thought the Star Destroyer was big. You thought A New Hope was a big story. Yeah. Here's this is bigger and this is darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, so, what, uh, yeah. Uh, Empire's full of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, my number two, Revenge of the Sith. Ah. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're so, we, we agree on one out of 11 in the position, uh, in terms of absolute positioning. We agree I, on one out uh, of 11. Even outside of me and you, I love when people rank their Star Wars movies because no one has the same ranking. I mean, it must be mathematically possible. Yeah. But 
the more movies I get, it seems like everyone gets something different out of the Star Wars saga. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, uh, someone could have a mirror image of my ranking, and I think that would be great. Yeah, uh, totally. I'd be interested to. Yeah, to there's see no wrong that. way to rank these. Yeah, no, totally. But I, it, it's not even. Uh, I, I feel it's a good right way and a wrong way. It's more just I love the sheer diversity of people's rankings. Yeah, it's great. So, um, Revenge of the Sith. I mean. <sighs> You know, you're talking about character-driven stuff. The music's incredible. The set pieces for me are incredible. It, for some reason, there's something about. So the in the so Attack of the Clones. I've I've harped on about this for a couple of episodes. So I won't dwell on that for too long. But Attack of the Clones, the Yoda fight still doesn't land for me. In Revenge of the Sith, it lands for me, and I don't know why that is. It's something. There's something vaudevillian about. Um, about Palpatine in that film and about yes. how he kind of carries himself as a performer. And Ian McDermott, just, for me, that's his kind of seminal performance as Palpatine mm. is episode three. But it yes. is just that moment where he's, he just reveals his hand in a single yeah. sentence by just, and to save your wife from certain death. And he just, the little, the smile just creeps slowly across his face and you yeah. know that he's won. And you yeah. know that that moment is the culmination of this entire 10-year plot on his part to just completely gain control. And you know that when he does that, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has won. Mm-hmm. And it's just that smile creeping, like I say, creeping across his face yeah. as he says, as he delivers that one line, oh, <laughs> it's just That's great. I feel, uh, I feel uh, Revenge of the Sith is uh, very Shakespearean mm. in its composition and in a lot of the character roles, and it could almost be a Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah, I would uh, think uh, McDermott is a classically trained actor, possibly cottoned onto that more than some of the cast did. Maybe, yeah. Uh, he 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 does a very Shakespearean performance as Palpatine in that. Yes, because yeah. I've I've always had, I've never found it since, but I've always had in the back of my mind that Tom Stoppard did some rewrites on revenge of the sith okay so he's a a very shakespearean type yeah well obviously he's a playwright well, yeah he's yeah. a person perhaps a good yeah. there you go uh, yeah um yeah and I, I think maybe that's part of what of why mcdermott enjoyed himself so much doing it and that comes across yeah yeah i mean, i've interrupted yeah. yours carry on with sith. No, that's absolutely fine so um yeah. yeah revenge of the sith is your number one for presumably some absolutely. other reasons um it's a more personal reasons. Is it was a film I'd waited my whole life to see. I'd all you know, the whole we'd heard stories about old uh, Anakin and Obi Wan had a fight on, in, a, in a volcano. You know, it was it was rewritten and tweaked from there, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's it's one of the more I watch and I find of Attack of the Clones every time I watch it I find something else that annoys me whereas Revenge of the Sith every time I watch it I find something new to love in it yeah it's incredibly layered in terms of um the lore of Star Wars um I I think Ewan McGregor's absolutely outstanding oh, he's bang on in that film yeah he's yeah. brilliant the whole battle on Mustafar is uh, incredible um, it's visually stunning. Like uh, we 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 just totally porking stuff about the score earlier. So <laughs> um, I'm not going to retread that ground. That's um, fine. But 
score is flawless. Yeah, it's um, probably one of the best, I would say. Yeah, uh, I, it's, I think it's the only style. No, it's, no, I cried at most of them now. It was the first time I was I cried at the cinema, right? Yeah. Uh, just um, there's the sheer impact of seeing Vader again. But what gets you is he's not the strong dark when you finally see Darth Vader in the iron lung in the black suit yeah um it's not the Vader we know and it's kind of that realization of that's because there is still good of him he's got 20 years to get to be yeah uh, the Vader we see in Rogue One and mm-hmm. a new hope and it kind of rammed home that there was some good in him yeah because then at that point he was filled with regret yeah, he's a and he's a broken guy in a metal suit at that point, rather than a, a yeah. sort of machine man that you see in yeah. Rogue One. And there's there's something yeah. actually that just as you were talking about that just kind of popped into my head. There's in um, Rogue One, obviously he's on the castle in Mustafa, on Mustafar, and his yeah. advisor sort of goes up and tells him that there's a visitor for him, and you sort of see him come to the front of the tank and just give him a sort of scowl, as if to say mm. like, "All right, fine, I'll be a big metal bloke." You know, I was just having a perfectly good sleep. I was having a perfectly good kip, and yeah. it just woke me up to tell me I've got to do some work. And yeah. uh, you I know, do like, I, I do like it also just kind of him the Palpatine basically puts him back in his box until he needs him. Pretty much, yeah. And that's kind of yeah. I kind of like it to a point, and I like the fact yeah, that I think it's a back to tank, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the certainly the impression. Just, it, it kind of hits home that maybe. Um, He's still dying without the yeah. the, the, Spending the all suit his time. and keeps him alive for certain periods of time. He sort of spends his time basically trying to heal himself or just trying to yeah. keep himself steady. And I like the fact that so yeah, this, by the time of Empire, he doesn't need it. Well, he's got the um, the little chamber in uh, on the Star Destroyer, isn't he? Because Nida comes in yeah. and bothers him. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't need a Bacta tank. No, but it's he's, sort of maybe by that point he's. Out. Has he become more powerful in the dark side to the point where he doesn't need medical attention so much? He can sustain himself. Maybe, or entirely possible that he just never needed it and he's all, and he's just abandoned the idea that he's going to be able to improve himself back to sort of any kind yeah. of vaguely human form. Or he's just like accepted his lot. Or it is he doesn't need to go in the back to tank, but the suit is incredibly uncomfortable and painful for him. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of... I mean, certainly in the Legends, that was touched on, wasn't it? That it was kind of... Yeah, yeah. The, I know the the, uh, the Rise of Darth Vader, Dark Lord, James Lucino mm-hmm. book, was really, uh, which was really good, uh, really touched good. very heavily on him sort of finding it clunky and un, unmaneuverable and yeah. he uh, wasn't uh, able to fight his optimum level. Uh, before he wrote it, Lucino actually interviewed Hayden Christensen about what it was like to wear the suit, and that's where a lot of that comes from. I can believe it. That's a really, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, number number one for you is Render the Sith. Number one for me is Empire Strikes Back. But it's not. Yeah. There's not a lot in it. I'll be honest. You know, like I say, I could easily no, Solo could move up the list. Rogue One could easily move up the list. Oh yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and Empire Strikes Back Rogue One could take top spot. I think. Yeah, this is it. You know, there, there really is so little between those top. I say probably yeah. between those top five for me in terms of just the the love of those movies. Yeah. But what's incredible about that, like you say, we've both got. You know, we both kind of broadly agreed on the positioning approximately, but in terms of absolute positioning, we've agreed on one, which Amazing. is Rogue One, Rogue one at number three. All the Brilliant. other ones are different variations on a theme. So we're going to have to do this again after we get 
episode nine, and the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, which is currently called A Shipping Container Full of Corpses. <laughs> it's like the prestige. Yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. So, uh, Adam, yeah. I hope that was uh, to your satisfaction. And obviously, yeah, you can use say. this, you can use 132 as a, uh, a reference point. I will find somewhere to put this up. I'll put this table. I you had a website. I know, right? Uh, and also, I could. What I probably end up doing is put it on the website. I will also put it on uh, on Patreon publicly. So there's certain you can set posts to be patron only yeah. or public. So I'll set this one as a public post on Patreon, Patreon as well. So there's a reference that people can refer yeah. to. And obviously, while they're there, they consider consider becoming part of the program. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 132 of Talk Star Wars. Uh, hopefully, you'll agree that it's been a enjoyable time all around um hope you know i've certainly enjoyed it oh uh, yeah yeah so um if you've enjoyed the show and Always. you concur and you'd like to hear more then there's a full back catalog and future episodes weekly yeah. available on all good podcast catchers including now spotify and yeah. uh i say apple podcast has got it you know you can get it on all good podcast apps spotify is the most recent um the most recent place it's appeared and as i say you can um consider joining our patreon at patreon.com slash talk star wars to get the show a couple of days early with an ad-free feed in exchange for a dollar or whatever you care to give per month we are mm -hmm. thoroughly grateful for any and all uh donations to the campaign yep. and, uh, and uh, yeah you know yep. we, we, yep. we cannot thank you enough yep. <laughs> brad where can people find you on social media between shows uh, you can find me on facebook.com slash Brad Harmer Barnes. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at RealBradHB. And you can buy my books through Amazon. Yes, you can. And there is actually now in the show notes and on the website, underneath each of the uh, episodes, there will be a link where you can go and it takes you to your author page. Well, not your author page, but it takes you to a search that populates with all your books. Ah. So people can go and buy them and, uh, you know, use the. Yeah, and use the Talk Star Wars link, and we get a couple of pennies as a bit of extra love. Yeah, costing you no extra. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm about that, and he's been defensive about it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rob Wade Vision, and yep. uh, you can also buy Assorted Thoughts on Podcasting on Amazon, which is also linked to in the show notes. Uh, oh, it's sh short and sweet. Um, as a result, it is the cheapest Amazon allows me to make it. Uh, but if you're part of Kindle Unlimited, you can also enjoy it there. Stop, stop underselling yourself. <laughs> I'm very proud of it, you know. And yeah. uh, a friend of mine pointed out, yeah, a friend of mine pointed out that how many times, you know, if I had a pound for every time I've thought of an idea that was cool, you know, oh, that'd make a cool idea. And for whatever yeah. reason, it hasn't seen the light of day, whether it's logistical or just because the interest fizzled out on my part both have happened um yeah i'd have enough to not need to release a book so <laughs> um yeah. but nonetheless this is one that like i say i'm you know it's it's short and sweet but i'm very very happy with it um and hopefully yeah. people thinking about getting into podcasting can take some solace and advice from some yeah. of the stuff that i wish i'd known when i started uh i i have no interest in a podcast but i read it and i just found it thoroughly entertaining oh thank you very much that's very kind of you to yeah. say 
Um, sure. So one last shout out in the show notes. Uh, the as I say, I mentioned it at the top of the show, but I'll mention it every week from now on. The Talk Star Wars mm-hmm. intro is courtesy of Adam Sheldon, and uh, mm. Adam is a very valued member of our Patreon community, uh, Knight of the yep. Commonwealth, and the host of one of the hosts of the excellent Retro Inc. podcast, which you can find on the web. Uh, on all good podcast catchers in the same way. Okay. Uh, and I would be remiss if I were to end the show without mentioning the fantastic shows available on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, the Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing. I was expecting you to end the episode there. <laughs> that would have been great, right? remiss if I didn't mention the other podcasts. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tumbling Saber, Generation Yay. X-Wing, uh, the Rogue Squadron Podcast, Rogie the, Rogie. the Skyhoppers Podcast, Property. Uh, the Nerd Room. Ooh. The San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. San Diego. Tattoo, uh, Tatooine Sons. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the Lesson 12 Parsecs. Yeah. And Retro Inc. Ooh. Newly minted member of the Commonwealth. So uh, if you wish to find out more about these shows, you can go to StarWarsCommonwealth.com where you can find information about all of them as well as their most recent episodes and take your first steps into a larger world. Thank you very much for listening to Talk Star Wars. If you want to get involved in the show, podcast at talkstarwars.co.uk to send us an email, or you can tweet mm-hmm. us, slide into our DMs at talkstarwars on Twitter. Uh, yep. Thank you very much for listening, and may the force be with you.